everyone welcome back to another episode of the third and 20 dynasty podcast season two episode 35 i'm jt with the usual gang jake frank lunas uh we're a little less than a month away from the draft so we do have some prospects that we're going to talk about uh but first let's kick it off with some news and notes first off we got Devonte parker going to my team uh the new england patriots and my initial reaction was don't love the trade do not love the trade but I'm at least happy we haven't given up we as in the Patriots. I don't know if people – that might tick some people off using the we there. But, uh, <laughs> you know, the Patriots didn't give up a second for Mohamed Sanu. I, the Patriots gave up a second for Mohamed Sanu. Now they're giving up a third for Devontae Parker. At least that feels somewhat better. But to me – Way better. To me, it just like it, – it's it's trying to put a Band-Aid on the issue. Like I would rather them just gone in the draft and, and tried to actually draft a good receiver and not a Nikhil Harry – which, by the way, I mean, this means he's post for dynasty value. Just gonna, you know, lay oh, that yeah. one in there. I, I, he already was, but now he's just extra toast. Um, I'm gonna go on a little mini rant here. I just think Devonte Parker is not the answer. I see all these Twitter heads saying that, uh, you know, he's the X receiver that Mac Jones could finally use. Like Tua was afraid to throw the deep ball to him, and that's why he didn't see as much production. The issue is Devonte Parker is just—he's like 29 years old. He has injury issues, like his quads and hamstrings, whenever it gets cold out or just all of a sudden don't work. Uh, he's only had a thousand yards once in his life. Like I'm not going out in a dynasty setting and, and trying to trade for Devontae Parker. I don't think this makes Mac Jones better. In fact, I, I like I think this actually helps of all players. You might call me crazy. I think this helps Jacoby Myers the most because if that means the Patriots aren't going out and drafting a, a receiver in the first couple of rounds, Jacoby Myers is still the alpha in target share on this team. Like he's going to be the leading receiver on this team. Um, so it's, I don't necessarily hate. I actually think Jacoby Myers is a very solid receiver, but you know, his lack, complete lack of draft capital and, you know, his only semi good production so far probably still has people worried about him. But if that's a sign that the Patriots aren't drafting a receiver, then this is the best-case scenario for Jacoby Myers of everyone. I don't know. Sorry, guys. I had to. No, no. Uh, that's a great. No, I mean, because obviously the biggest thing with Devontae Parker is, first off, before anything, like you said, he just can't stay healthy. He can't. And I think people are still holding on to that one season he had a couple years ago. What was that, like 2018, 2019, where he was randomly, like, insanely good for fantasy for one year. He was, like, a top 10 receiver. <laughs> yeah, and then went back to being bad again. Um, I definitely, I do agree with you where in terms of I don't think the Patriots are going to draft a receiver first round now. So what? Wait, so what's, like, the receiver depth are heading into the year? Is it um, Aguilar and Devontae Parker? Well, I'd assume, I'd assume... Don't forget Kendrick Bourne. Come on. No, yeah, I know, I think, but that's what I'm confused about. I think Devontae Parker will be the X. I think Jacoby Myers will be the second. I think Kendrick Bourne will be the third, and then Aguilar will be the fourth, if it would be my guess currently. Well, it's also going to be interesting to see if the offense changes at all with Josh McDaniels leaving. That's true. Because you still have the two now, tight ends, though. Yeah, because that's one thing that the Patriots kind of always fell back to was they would go with those multiple tight end sets. I mean, it would change week to week a ton, but definitely it felt like compared to a lot of other teams, a lot more multiple tight end sets, fullback kind of crap too. Like there are some teams that don't even roster fullbacks where the Patriots, I mean, they're running multiple tight ends, multiple tight ends and fullbacks, like everything, multiple running backs, right? 
but I, it would be interesting to see if they're going to head more towards multiple receiver sets and more of the the newer and more meta NFL offense with like more three receiver sets and potentially four receiver sets and, and things of that nature. I don't I I guess I disagree a little bit though because I think Devontae Parker's decent. Yes, the injury stuff is is a huge concern, but when he played last year, he was pretty good. It's not like his production when he was playing was bad. He just wasn't playing enough. And for the price you got him at, if you were to spend a third round pick on a receiver, I don't think you get the immediate production that Devontae Parker will give you out of a third round receiver. That's just how, how I'm looking at it is the Patriots are thinking like, okay, we can spend our first round pick probably on like a corner or a D back to replace JC Jackson and then not have to spend a second round pick on a receiver. We'll pick up Devontae Parker, moving a third into a fifth and we can spend the pick on other areas. But you're right. That, that's huge news for the other Patriots receivers. If you have them. I will say this though. Do you feel good starting any of those Patriots receivers? Considering also no. the two yeah. tight ends, yeah, uh, in, in dynasty, yeah, like yeah, like, Kobe uh, Myers is definitely like still a flex relevant receiver. These these guys are, I I wouldn't feel comfortable with Kendrick Bourne. I wouldn't feel comfortable with Nelson Aguilar. Um, but the other guys I think are fine. Devontae and Jacoby I think are fine. Um, the other thing though is Johnu Smith, which I don't know what happened with last season. And I don't get why he just kind of got pushed into oblivion but yeah Yeah. john smith like was one of the best receiving options in terms of like you know how the the axis goes with the yak times a dot average depth of depth of target like john smith was actually very good when you get the ball in his hands they just didn't really do that last year so i don't know if we get him more involved the patriots get him more involved i think that would be you know I, i think that kind of just helps everyone more than hurts anyone uh, i i think the two tight ends will be viable just because tight ends are whatever after like the first three or four it's kind of just whoever catches a touchdown that week so i think those two will be fine and i think Devonte parker and uh jacoby Myers, that those will all be startable players at the receiving game as much as i don't feel comfortable really with any of these receiving options in new england i do think Devonte parker you know, pending his health, obviously, here, probably will have a good season. I think he's a big-bodied wide receiver that he didn't really have last year. And we saw once he got down to the red zone, he really looked for, you know, Hunter Henry, who became a touchdown machine at the end of the season here, where because he was such a big body, and I do think Devontae Parker is going to have a bunch of touchdowns that's very similar to, like, to that role that Hunter Henry played down the end of the season. So, if I, like, in terms of dynasty, if I have – if I'm a contender and I already rostered – um, Devontae Parker, I'm just I think it's not a bad guy to have and to hang around and just kind of see what happens. Um, in terms of buying him, it's tough because I, I in keep trade cut right now, it has him as 212 is what his value is straight up. And I don't think I would do that, but I do think if that creeped down a little bit, you know, to the early third, early to mid third, I do think for a contender that could be a sneaky little buy to get production right now. Because the third round rookies like most times do not take a year or so to develop, and you really want to add that flex piece that's going to put you over the top, I don't think it's a bad idea to throw it at Devontae Parker. I, I just wouldn't do it before the draft. I wouldn't do it before the, yeah. the start of the season. Real quick, I will say this. Uh, final prediction of all three of you, who has the better fantasy season, Devontae Parker or Jacoby Myers? Jacoby. Yeah, Myers. Yeah. 
Go with Myers. I lean I lean Myers it's, it's, only because of health. I think on a per game basis, I think Parker has better fantasy points per game. You know, I I don't hate picking up Devontae Parker for two twelve. I don't love it either. I think the reason I I guess I would lean against it is because a week ago he was probably worth half that price. I mean, I'm looking at the keep trade cut graph here. This isn't exact, and I don't think you were getting any deals done for Devontae Parker at this 1330 value. That's probably like a late third worth of value. But he, you're really telling me that this move puts him from a late third to, to now a late second? I think that's a little bit too big of a jump in price for me to be comfortable comfortable with, even though I don't think he's a bad player. I agree. That that's price. why I kind of said if I could get him for more of, you know, the 304 to 307 range in there, that would make me feel a little better about it. I guess maybe it's just because I, I like 212 in this draft. I think 212, like, especially because I really like moving from, depending on who's on the board, but moving potentially from 212 to like the middle of the third, if possible, picking up a smidge of value. I think I'd rather do that than trade it straight up for Devontae Parker. I don't think there's enough upside. He's Devontae Parker's got to have a damn good season for him to be worth more than 212, it feels like. Uh, I ain't do the math. Well, I, I did the math. I ain't check across the league where this ranks, but I'm pretty sure it's very high. Jacoby Myers had 24% target share. And we've seen players prove like target share is earned. Like you get that target share. You don't really deviate much from it. Like I think Jacoby Myers will be the alpha of this offense, meaning Devontae Parker will be behind him. And at that price, I just think if you really need that kind of veteran receiver, there's no like harm in just waiting until the actual start of the regular season to go out and trade that pick or, you know, trade that prospect. Yeah. I like that a lot more. Um, Yeah. Especially because if I mean last last point, unless you guys want to add anything, there still is the chance that the Patriots take a receiver in the fourth or fifth round or something. And yeah, if they I mean, take one earlier than that, all of a sudden Devontae Parker is gonna kind of be back towards his price on the Dolphins because the argument again is gonna be, well, there's too much competition. Mm-hmm. So like it's it just seems a little bit fragile still, that value. And we're that price, that two twelve really feels like people are kind of projecting Devontae Parker to be a flex-relevant player at that price. I, I Maybe it's just too much risk, even though there there is still an argument that it could pan out. I, I'm just not paying that. Yeah, I agree. All right. Um, let's move on to we actually had a trade. Uh, finally, teams are starting to make trades in the first round. Um I mean, not that they hadn't before, but I always love a good first-round trade, and the Eagles and Saints did that. Um, I think consensus will agree. I think Frank might differ here, but uh, the Eagles, I think, won this trade. The Saints gave up uh, pick 18 this year in the 2021 draft, um, along with a third this year and a seventh, and they also gave up a 2023 first and 2024 second. That's what the Saints gave up. And then the Eagles... um, in turn, received no. Wait, sorry, did I screw that up? I might have screwed that. The Eagles, the Eagles got pick 18, 101, 237 this year, as well as a 2023 first and 2024 second. The Saints got pick 16 and 19 this year, as in also uh, pick 194, which is a sixth. 
So the Saints essentially wanted two first-rounders this year. The Eagles wanted to disperse their first-rounders. Um, Lewis is the Eagles fan. You got to like this trade, right, Lewis? I thought I was missing something when I first saw it because I was so confused why the Saints would do it. I, I thought... I don't know. Like, I guess, I guess, like, they're viewing it as like, oh, we get to like jump ahead of some teams like the Chargers for a prospect they're going for. That's the only team they jump. But, yeah, but yeah. That, like, <laughs> I, I just, I wouldn't feel great about like, I don't know, the success is up because who's their starting quarterback? It's going to be either Jameis coming off an ACL or rookie quarterback, I guess. And then there's also Sean Payton's not there anymore. They lost some guys like the I'm forgetting his name, the offensive tackle, uh, Malcolm Armstead. Jenkins. Yeah, Armstead, Malcolm Jenkins, Marcus Williams, all gone. Some guys on those defense, the defense getting older. Like, I don't even know what's happening with Michael Thomas. Like, what's what's happening with him? So I, 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 I was surprised the Saints did that because I like Frank talked about how like it makes sense of the Saints first. It's like towards like the later twenties, but I just don't see that being the case. My my argument for the deal, because I think people don't understand the Saints' point of the deal, because, okay, it makes sense for the Eagles. You kind of just mitigate your risk. You don't have to pay three first-round rookie contracts. It's a little bit more than people are giving it credit for. That's a decent chunk of when change. You have to have a lot of cap available. And the, yeah. the Eagles aren't a team that have a ton of cap. You know, they, they have some really annoying contracts that they've been able to maneuver around. So you get to push all of your, like... You don't have to nail all your picks this year with three first. You push out your risk, you get a decent price, fine. From the Saints, though, now you have three top 50 picks. And this is a team that has a ton of talent. Yeah, they lost some guys, but they, to me at least, still have a top five defense. They have the only defense that's really had consistent success against Tom Brady and some of these really heavy passing attacks. So... The only way they've been able to really add talent is through the draft. They are so strapped for cap. So they, they move some of these picks in, in the, the first and 23 and the second and 24. You get the picks now. And then when those drafts come up later in those years, they're going to have some cap relief. At least you think. So then, then, then they don't need the picks as much because they'll be able to actually make moves in free agency or maybe be in the running for a trade with a team like when, when Amari Cooper goes on the block. I mean, instantly the Saints are ruled out this year because they, they have no cap. Now they're able to acquire cheap young talent in a pretty decent draft class. I mean, I'm thinking that the first the first like 50 picks this year is pretty damn good. Um, yeah. Maybe more defensively than offensively, but regardless, there's some pretty damn good players in, in the top 50 picks. And that's why I think it makes sense for the Saints. Uh, I guess it could make sense for the Saints, but I, I just think the Eagles clearly made a good deal there. Um, yeah, just I think just looking at this from a you know a Giants fan perspective here, just taking a step back and go, okay, why would the Eagles want to get want to do this? Because you know they were a playoff team, they had three first round picks, they could easily just load up and be a very very talented roster and i think what they said was we're not a hundred i think this trade says they're not 100 percent sold on jalen hurts is really what it says to me just because we all know next year's quarterback class is much better than this year just looking at it and they go okay so we'll give jalen hurts a second season as a starter see if he takes that next step forward that we need him to do to be that you know franchise quarterback and if he doesn't 
Now we have two first round picks again that we can use to move up and an extra second in 2024 that we can use to move up and get whoever we want. Okay, um, I guess the the real thing though is are we thinking the Saints take a quarterback or a receiver well, with one of these new firsts that they acquired? Joe Herbert was in chat saying Saints now have draft capital and move up to to get a quarterback. Yeah. I don't I I think if you do get a quarterback, I think they could have sat and waited unless they really love one of these guys. But to me, I don't think any of these guys are like, I'm not giving up super high capital to go get these guys like I would have last year with a Trey Lance or like like teams did even with like Carson Wentz or something, you know. But uh, to to me, I, I just think they're more likely to get a tackle than anything. I don't. I think the other thing is they can pick a guy if they have, let's say Matt Corral, right? They like Matt Corral, but they don't love him. They don't want to trade up again and have to pay some extra draft capital cash to to move up twice now. If he's there at 18 or 19, whatever their second first is, or maybe even their first first, yeah, we'll take him. You know, we're picking in front of Pittsburgh and some of the other potentially quarterback needy teams at the back end of the draft. Like, okay, if those teams want to jump us, so be it. We have other guys that we want to to pick here because you tr- you did this before the draft. You're giving teams like Pittsburgh time now to to really make a move and plan around this. I, but, I think if they if they wanted a quarterback, this move would not have. Like, I don't think this is a quarterback specific move. I agree with you. Yeah, and my my issue with that too is you only jump the Chargers, which means either Philly or Los Angeles was threatening to trade down. To these other teams like hey we're willing to trade down if you want to grab a quarterback and the saints panicked and jumped the gun and actually did that trade um or this just isn't for quarterback which i i think is more so the case because if they did do that right you still have the eagles ahead of them right aren't the eagles pick 15 the so, eagles yeah so yeah, they still you, i was you, gonna say in that yeah, scenario they could still trade eagles, back with one of those yeah, teams yeah you can jump the eagles the eagles could still go back and get and, and any team behind you that wants to get a quarterback ahead of you still has the eagles right there so yeah i just I don't know. I don't think this was a, a play for a quarterback. I, I guess they could theoretically take those two picks, move them up, and get a quarterback there. But that would be so funny just because it would be the entire NFC South fighting over the QB1. Because I feel like, like yeah. the two teams that people are looking at are like uh, Atlanta and Carolina around like those 8-9 spots. Yeah. So it would be those two teams and the Saints. Open. So, and, I don't know. I'd be surprised if they were. Now, what about a receiver, though? Because I... Like I think that's on the table. Given the mocks that we've seen, I think there's a very good chance that a guy like Traylon Burks could be available at one of those two picks. That would be a really nice dynamic player to add to the Saints offense. Yeah, I could see him, Olave, James, like one of those guys around that range. Because I think London and Wilson will be gone by then. But um, I think so, especially we saw um, in like Michael Thomas tweet when Deshaun Watson didn't pick the Saints. He's like, can't blame him. Or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> he tweeted. <laughs> he tweeted like something. Is like, oh man, I'll blame him for not picking. He, that he did tweet. He did tweet like a boom smiley face or something though. After they just made this trade, so who knows with Michael Tom? I'm I mean, I guess last point. This doesn't really have to do much with the dynasty aspect, but there there is definitely the Eagles could take a receiver. I think to me, if the Eagles traded back again, I know we were talking about this in our Twitter group, but they're picking at fifteen. If one of those teams like Green Bay or Kansas City wants Jamison Williams and now you've just like 
you know, the Saints are picking at 16. Let's say that they really want the receiver. Now you could just be like, okay, we'll we'll trade back with you, pick up some more draft capital for the future, and then take a D back at the back end of the first. I think that would be perfect for them. But yeah, that's not really a dynasty discussion. All right. Um, move us on into last news and notes. <laughs> this one's a real barn. Wait, hold on. And... Um, okay. Who do you guys like in the 208 to 210 range? Also, Jordan Love equals the 2022. I'm assuming that's a what pick? Uh, <laughs> oh, Jordan Love. Jordan um, Love. I don't like Jordan Love, to be honest. No, at this point, Man, I'm completely I'm out on him. Yeah, completely out on Jordan Love because the Packers. Are you, are you asking this from like a selling perspective or a buying perspective? Because I was going to say, if you're trying to sell him, I would take any second rounder. Yeah, he, yeah, I think Jordan Love is one of those dudes that I would offer him for like twenty different second round picks. In my You're opinion. not getting a second yeah. rounder for Jordan Love. He, I think you might. Like a, I think you might. He was like a I mid to late so. second. He was a mid to late second rounder in the twenty twenty draft. Well, also and I think was he I done think the time, to improve his stock? I think the time to sell Jordan Love kind of passed. I think yeah. like the small window it, that you had was when we didn't know if Rodgers was coming back, or like everyone thought he was gone. I mean, is there any chance that he's traded off the Packers? Who's trading for him? Very small. Yeah. Who's I mean, getting... like post draft. If 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 there's a team, I mean, I feel like a lot of the quarterback stuff has kind of been settled. But Baker Mayfield and Jimmy Garoppolo are both. I was gonna say yeah, Baker, Jimmy as options. So. Even like next season, say the Eagles do go up and draft a quarterback, I'm sure teams would rather trade for Hurts than like a Jordan Love. Yeah. I want to buy Jordan Love. I offered 208. Am I crazy? I, I'm yeah, not yeah, buying yeah. Jordan Love. Look, I look, I don't love 208 in the, uh 208 is like right on the border of where I really start to fall. I, still I just think the problem is, is that come that rookie draft, that 208 is just gonna be worth more than love. You could give That's up true. less than 208 to get love. No, like, but you're also talking love. to like a big Jordan Love <laughs> denier. Frank is that um, I I was very much in on Jordan Love at the price that he used to be at, but when we're talking about he sat behind Aaron Rodgers for two years, like if he was that good, some team would be moving for him. Like like this isn't he hasn't know, even really not, shown flashes in his starts. No, like um, yeah, he, he played. Like, his there, there was a, do you remember like the middle of the season where like the Chiefs were just giving up like thirty points to everyone, like everyone was scoring like thirty on mm-hmm. them, and then Jordan Love put up like ten against them. Which, I mean, to be fair, like, it was short notice. All right, I, I'll give you a somewhat of a break, but it's just not happening for me. Like, like it's just his path to seeing a huge increase in value just isn't great. I mean, if you're really burning to, for some reason to go buy a young quarterback at that kind of price, I just feel like Davis Mills is a better chance. I don't even really like Davis Mills as much, but I, I think Davis Mills is a better buy than Jordan Love. Definitely All right, who would that. you who would you like at two eight to two ten? I mean, I'll say some guys that I like based off of mocks that I've seen. This I don't think a lot of these guys will hold though. Sky Moore, one hundred percent. I've seen him go late hold, second. Gonna, oh yeah, yeah. yeah see, go. I, I think he's going to go early second. But if we're taking mocks verbatim, Sky Moore. Um, I like um, what's Trey McBride that tight end. I think that he like you might be able to get a low key little tight end one. Um, in the rookie draft, not tight end one overall, in the rookie draft at that late second price. Um, then the running backs that I like are Brian Robinson and potentially that um, – what's the dude from Florida? What's his name? Damian, Damian Pierce. Pierce. I also yeah. I said it already. I like Samir White there. 
Um, I think David Bell might fall there, honestly. Yeah, that could that be far. Well, if he falls that far, he's going to completely. It, if he falls that far, far, that means he fell out. That means he was a day three draft pick in three yeah. years. Yeah, I um, think that there's a big consensus. Like, if David Bell's in the first three rounds, they will snatch him up in the early second every single time. I think it's a similar thing with that Clemson receiver, Justin Ross. Yep, he was if he goes top three rounds, mm-hmm. there's enough hype and enough truthers that he's just going to go mid-early second. Yeah. Um, but I think there's definitely some there's some nice receiver buys in that late second third round john mechie um i mean other guys i guess right now like khalil shakir um jalen tolbert jalen Tol, yeah jalen tolbert's another interesting guy but once again like the draft if these guys go third round i we take josh palmer for example right he was a dude that was probably getting mocked mid late third round before the draft goes third round to the chargers and then all of a sudden he's early third round very late second so the draft is definitely going to shake some things up. But if you're drafting right now, I think that's a decent list. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, finally, I've been itching to get to this crazy news. <laughs> Texan signed Marlon Mack. <laughs> uh, is he the know. RB1? Is there an RB1 in, in no, I don't know. <laughs> David I don't knows. think he's adopted. <laughs> is there? <laughs> David no, I, Johnson? <laughs> is he still... I don't probably know. just isn't in a running back one. The there. Texans have just committed to being the graveyard for running backs. Rex like, Burkhead. Rex Burkhead. Yeah, like come here if you want to have one or two weeks of random relevance and then inconsistent yeah, usage. Here's your home. Like, <laughs> and we'll pay you way more than we should. I feel. I, feel, I just feel like this signing <laughs> was like like Philip Lindsay all over again from last year. Pretty much. It kind of reminds me of that. Yeah. There's, He's not leading the back. No one's leading the backfield. All right. But All right. Yeah. Anyone? Anyone notes. buying Marlon Mack? <laughs> no. Uh, Is he worth a roster spot? I guess he's worth a roster spot. Yeah. Okay. So he's worth a roster spot, but not worth a buy. I mean, if your options are between like the likes of, I don't, I don't know, know, like, like mid mid late season right now, when like but... when like Ali have like running backs on buy who are on like and like are injured, you just like plug him in as your RB two and like close your eyes and just hope for a touchdown, but. <laughs> Like and that's otherwise. Yeah. <laughs> like, would you guys rather have Isaiah McKenzie or Marlon Mack on your bench? I'm trying to think of like just those like very low. Oh, Isaiah McKenzie. Okay, what about like a Jalen Guyton or Marlon Mack? Oh, um, Jalen Guyton. Ask me that question like, post draft. Like two seventy-five yard touchdowns on the season. Yeah, ask me that question <laughs> post draft. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like, it's kind of at this point we're just talking like random strategy. Like, would you rather just have those running backs that could boom, or those wide receivers that have shown some flashes? I, at that point, I think struggling. it's like if all the guys above them get injured, who's just going to produce more? I think it actually be Marlon Mack there. Even though I might yeah, like Jalen Guyton more personally, like at that point, you have to have injuries or some bullshit for either of those guys to be starting. Yeah. Yes. So that's probably where I side <laughs> with you. I think I'd rather him than Isaiah McKenzie too, but I'm just not an Isaiah McKenzie guy, which I think there are still Isaiah McKenzie people out there. Um, All right, you guys want to move on to the juicer? I can already tell there's going to be some sparks flying. Well, from this I point. have I've long had opinions about these prospects, <laughs> so uh, let's just get straight into it. prospect talk. I, who wants to who wants to decide who 
Who gets talked um, about first? That's a good question. I'm gonna pull. I gotta pull up some clips. I'm more. Okay. I'm really hoping I don't destroy anyone's earphones by bringing up this clip. Out in ten. Yes. Yeah. I. I'm sorry. There was just some noise. That I hope I didn't destroy anyone's ears from that. Um, we didn't hear on the actual live. No, you guys didn't that. hear. I'm yeah. talking about the viewers because okay. I, I. I had my YouTube sound on from earlier, and I knew that was gonna happen. Um. I mean, yeah, I I've Dynasty got some takes chat. about both these dudes, so I'm ready to fucking okay. go. Real, real quick, I agree with Skull Dynasty in chat, who says he likes run, rostering a ton of running backs due to um, injury fragility. I I agree because I, I just I, mean, I held on to Kalen Balaj all last year because I thought Najee Harris was eventually going to break down. That didn't happen, but if it did, I will look like a genius one day. <laughs> one day I'll look like a genius. It's okay, JC. Um, all right, sorry, Frank, I cut you off. Who are we talking about first? Let's go with Olave first. Okay. Um, Here we go. Tinder boy JT is out again. This is not Tinder boy. This is held in conviction, JT. Listen, I've got a rant about Olave. I I, I want to let you guys go first before I go on my rant. So let's just get it out there. Who who is who's you guys? Me and Jake? Are me and Jake polar opposites on Chris Olave? I think I'm the highest yeah. on Chris Olave. Yeah, Jake's the highest, and honestly, I. Obviously, the one knock against him that I found was he what is not an early declare. He stayed for his senior season. And outside of that, I don't know what else this man could have done besides what he did. I understand people are going to say, oh, oh, his production wasn't as good last year. Yeah, and he was outproduced by Garrett Wilson. Even at the end of the season, Jackson Smith and Jigba looked fantastic. Okay, you're talking about two of the guys that are arguably the wide receiver one in this class and the next class. Yeah. And on top of that, his relationship where he played, you know, two full seasons, his sophomore and his junior season, was with Justin Fields, who was no longer the quarterback of the team last year. The quarterback was C.J. Stroud, who he didn't get a whole lot of reps with leading up to last season. So a guy like Jackson Smith and Jigba and Garrett Wilson, who were stuck behind, you know, lower on the depth chart prior to this season, were playing with C.J. Stroud on the, you know, the, the practice, uh, what is it, the uh, scout team. They got more reps with him. They're more familiar with him. They know they know his tendencies. He knows theirs. It's very simple. And now, obviously, Olave had a good season. He was slight regression from his junior season. But on top of that, he still put up a good numbers for anybody. He's projected to get first-round draft capital. He probably will. He'll probably be a top-20 pick, 25 pick at worst. And on top of that, he's going to be – teams are going to – his skills translate very well to the yeah. NFL. He's a good route runner. And he has some speed, and he has good hands, and he separates. So on to, I don't know what people don't like about him other than the fact that he's not an early declare. If he came out last season, people would have been – obviously last year had Jalen Waddell and Jamar Chase, and that people's like, oh, if he was that good, he would have come out. Sure. But now he's, he would have been probably a second-round pick in last year's draft, and now he's going to be a first. So we've made himself a lot of money by staying in school. I don't think that's the wrong thing. He's still only, what, 23? I think he is now. Great. Fine. Who cares? Where do you value him with a rookie pick? A rookie pick? I would probably take him late first. Yeah. Like one right. What if 12. he gets drafted? Let's just assume Green Bay takes him at like 25 or wherever they're picking their first pick. Where would you value him in a, in a rookie pick then? So let's give some context to it. I mean, I think I would take him. What? His ADP is going to go up. I would still take oh, yeah. him. His ADP will skyrocket. His ADP is I mean, go he's, up. 
he's still behind the likes of Malik Willis, uh, you know, Brees Hall, Wilson. The top three uh, receivers. Burks, London. After that, I mean, I don't think you could blame someone for really taking him then. So, like, if, with that landing spot, you're saying, like, 107, 108, 109. If he goes to Kansas City or Green Bay, he's in play for those picks. I wouldn't be surprised if his ADP ends up there at all. Absolutely. 106 to 108, I think, will be his ADP. All right, JT, would you like to give your spiel? Let me out. Let me If... I, I thought about... If he goes uh, to Kansas City, you don't think he'd be productive? On like a year and year and I'll give my whole spiel in a second. I thought about doing a turn heel, though, and just being like, uh, you know, oh, I like Olave. He's my wide receiver two in this class kind of thing. But April 4th was <laughs> a couple days ago, so I can't do it. Um, first off, I want to lead off with my guy, Skull Dynasty. I, I love this person. I don't know who they are, but they're pretty close <laughs> on what I actually think. They said JT definitely, JT definitely would like Burks, London, Bell, and maybe Pickens over. Over yep. six foot three out of four. Tinder boy JT. Three years out of school. I mean, <laughs> but I, I need I need top three round draft capital from Bell and Pickens, which with at least with Pickens, I think that'll probably happen. Um, maybe not with Bell. We'll see. But all right, first off, I'm really, I, I get what you're saying, Jake. Like he made a lot of money, but I'll just I'll start with the stats first, and then I'll explain it with what I think the logic is behind it. And, and just watch him play football. Is he a good football player? Absolutely. Your, your eyes lie to you. Your yes. eyes lie to you so much. You know, Tavon Austin what? always looked like a great football player. Oh, that doesn't that's mean he translates oh, to it. It does, it's not different. It's not different. Sparks are flying. I right. love it. Like, just I say, what are you going to say? Oh, just let me go. I was, I was quiet. I was quiet for you guys. Just let me, give me this opportunity Ooh, and you could just tear me apart. You could just tear me apart, right? DFB Encounter on Twitter has done a great study into this and something that is like, Stats like math is behind us, right? So, overall hit rate, not counting for any draft capital, just anyone drafted from rounds one through seven of wide receivers having a top 24 season is 22%. Since I think this is like 2000, the top Wait, 12 season, just a wide receiver that's drafted, yeah, at any point in their career, they will have a top 24 season. 22% of them go on to do that, 15% of them go on to have a top 12 season, right. But here's the thing. When you make them early declares, that top 12 goes from 15% to 29%. So you double your chance. And the top 24 goes from 22% to 41%. So essentially, you have a double your chance of having a better player if they're an early declare. Non-early declares, top 12, 9%. Top 24, 14%. So that means if you're taking someone that's out of school with three years, they have they are three times more likely to be a top twelve wide receiver than someone who's stayed in all four years. Now the logic behind this and why I think this is true at least is players like Chris Olave. I've said this before about Etienne and them, uh, uh, the running backs last year. Players like Chris Olave see who they're currently stacked up against. He they saw obviously Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddle, Devontae Smith, um, who else? Rondell Moore, Rashad Bateman. They saw those guys. And Chris Olave had someone tell him, you're not like you're not going to compete with these guys. You're not going to get that draft capital. You should stay I in mean, school. Well, that just means he is a worse prospect than these players. Chris Olave, I get that Devontae Smith wasn't an early declare, but Chris Olave in his now fourth year is not better than Devontae Smith was in his fourth year. Like it's it's just Chris Olave is a worse prospect. 
Now, we just saw it with Zach Charbonnet, too, this year. He, I, I really like Zach Charbonnet. Now, I don't like him as much because evaluators told him, you're not going to get that high of draft capital. Why don't you stay another year and try and be better, and maybe you'll go up more. It's just how it works. It's just how the NFL works. Like you're going yeah, to but try do, and do you think? Do you think like DFB encounter has outsmarted every NFL GM? Like why he's still going in top. <laughs> do you think all these? Do you think all these NFL GMs are really smart? Your own Eagles GM drafts JJ Arcega, Whiteside, and Jalen right, Rager. Uh, listen, neither of them were seniors. <laughs> 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 they were both underclassmen. But, yeah, but all right, I'm gonna jump in here. Like I'm gonna NFL jump in. GMs here. know all. They don't. They get fired every three years. Because. I lie kind of in between the both of you because I feel like Chris Olave this draft season, <laughs> yeah, right, consensus, consensus, yeah. Frank, right? Um, he's been one of the most polarizing players. You have a, a group of people that are saying that Chris Olave should be a top three receiver. Some eat with even him has his like wide receiver too. And then you have a, a group of people with JT that are like, dude, this guy, I'm not taking him in the first round. Like, no way. This guy is not worth the gamble. And I think I lean more towards JT, but dude, Chris Olave, like when you watch him, this guy is an elite deep threat receiver. And there's a couple of things that, that he does extremely well at a very elite level. The way that he, first off, let's just start the line of scrimmage. His releases are very, very good. He can play on the outside. He can play on the slot. And a lot of that is because his vertical quickness is really, really phenomenal. You know, couple that with the fact that he's consistently the first player off the line of scrimmage, right? You can look at all the wide receivers, D-backs, offensive linemen, everyone. He's consistently the first player moving on the snap of the ball. He's got nuanced releases, and he's super quick. So combine all that. Plus the fact that his routes are pretty good. He's just annoying as shit to cover one-on-one, especially when you're a slow a slow corner. So he threatens these D-backs vertically so hard, and he's able to win on these deep outs, comebacks, curls, very consistently because these dudes are turning quicker than they want to. They're not able to sit down and really read what Olave's doing because he's so fast and because he's such a good deep threat. Combine so, that with his with the nuance in his route running. With he's nasty at attacking defenders' blind spots, and this is one of the big reasons why a lot of people say that he's a nasty route runner. I'm bringing up this clip against Minnesota. You can see it here. He is living in D backs' blind spots, and it's annoying because they have to guess where he's going. That that ended up being a pass interference, and he's able to create little bouts of separation. By, by eating up a defender's blind spot like that. So Olave, in terms of being a deep threat, and, and NFL teams love this. We've seen them overpay for these deep threats time and time again. But the big but with Olave is that for how quick he is and how great of a, a deep threat he is and how fast he is long speed, this dude's lateral quickness is garbage. <laughs> it's horrible for someone that fast and, and, and has that good of breaks vertically. Like you would expect him to be nasty with the ball in his hands and to be dicing people up consistently. But I think this one clip sums up all the problems that I have with Chris Olave. It's the same game. He's going to take a bubble screen here on the left side right here. 
This position on the field is exactly what Ohio State wanted to draw up. He is one-on-one against some random safety for Minnesota with great leverage as a 4-3 track runner type speed. This should be pretty fucking close to a touchdown, if not just a big play, because he's got the leverage to the sideline. He should be able to beat this guy to the sideline. And if he overcommits to the sideline, he should be able to cut this back up. I watched this play like a thousand times earlier today. The big problem, I'm going to slow it down so that we can count every freaking step. Look how many steps it takes for him to cut this ball back to the middle of the field. So he starts his break there. There's one, two, three, four, five, six, and a jump, which is another two steps, seven, eight, to cut this ball back. Not only does he like take way too long to cut it back, he doesn't force this this 23, this defender, to miss this tackle. He gets tackled here. So, like, okay, yes, yeah, statistically, a seven-yard gain, a first down, fine, good play, whatever. This, to me, at an NFL level, is extremely concerning because this is supposed to be a guy, at least that I thought, I could consistently put the ball in his hands. But I see this, and I'm like, is he? Go- does he have this? And, and not only do you see this when he has the ball in his hands, you see this at the top of his routes as well. This this lateral movement, he creates all of his separation by threatening D-backs vertically down the field and making them turn and being uncomfortable on their blind spot. Outside of that, I think his routes really aren't that great. So how does he win there? And what does that mean for him as a prospect? To me, I have him comp to like Robbie Anderson or Tyler Lockett. I don't think that means he's a bad player. Right, Robbie Anderson and Tyler Lockett, if he gets that level of production, he's going to be well worth the late first or whatever that you pick him at in rookie drafts. But at the same time, I don't think he has the ceiling to really justify spending a high rookie pick on him, even if he goes to one of these really sexy landing spots. And then when you start to look at the analytics side of it, the dude had like, 15 yards less per game from last year to this year on an offense that passed the ball for like a hundred more yards per game. Well, Frank, let me add on to that. Sorry, I want pile on. I do want pile on because a lot of it here. The issue is um, yards per route run. So this person at Hayden Winks did on Twitter, uh, yards per route run on non Mickey Mouse routes, which means no screen sweeps, leaks, broken plays. Uh, yeah, Traylon Burks at 4.3, Drake London 3.4, Garrett Wilson 3.1, Jam- Jameson Williams 3.6. Like, these are all very good numbers. Uh, you even have players behind him like Mondo Robinson and Sky Moore who had 4.4 and 3.4, but Chris Olave had 2.5. Now, that's not enough to make me, like, really pause, but what makes me super concerned is this follows the same mold as the likes of Denzel Mims, Jalen Rager, and Nikhil Harry there was a sharp decrease in Chris Olave's yards per route run from his junior year to his senior year. So from like the year before he was declaring and the year that he did declare, uh, he had three yards per route run versus man coverage in his sophomore and junior seasons, but he had only 1.53 overall in his senior season. So, so Hayden Winks was doing, you know, in totality, this is what, you know, in your senior season kind of thing. So, that sharp decline, it's just 
there's so many big red flags about Chris Olave that I would just rather have the guys like, as long as David Bell and George Pickens go top three rounds. Uh, you know, clearly the top three ahead of him, Drake London, Traylon Burks, Garrett Wilson. Um, but even the likes of Sky Moore and Christian Watson, if they have good draft capital, those are guys I all want over Chris Olave. I don't hate Chris Olave still after all I said, but I just have him more as like a mid-second round pick. And that's just going to be too far behind wherever he ends up getting drafted. Like 206 is just not where Chris Olave is going to go. And at that price, I'm willing to miss out on Chris Olave. It's fine. Yeah, I, I, I definitely agree with that. Like, I think he has a role in the NFL. I think the NFL should value him more than dynasty managers because of the fact that he's such a good deep threat. And he's like, if you have him one on one, he's kind of, he's just annoying for defenses unless you have one of those corners that can match his speed very easily. But like, I just find it really tough paying this type of draft capital for someone that I kind of just think is has like Tyler Lockett-esque level production or Robbie Anderson-esque level production. Um, it, it could be worth it, but kind of like JT, I want to pay more of like a very late first or early second. Like I missed on, on Jalen Waddle's eval, but when you look at Jalen Waddle as a player compared to Olave, Jalen Waddle is kind like I don't think Jalen Waddle is necessarily as elite of a deep threat from the route running and the attacking the blind spot perspective that we've seen out of out of Olave, but he does the other stuff so much better that you can put the ball in his hands. He's really freaking shifty. He can just win on more routes consistently against man coverage. That I'm you probably have to pay a higher pick for Olave and Mox right now than you did for Waddle. And I think that's where I have my qualm. The price is just too high. I mean, it's tough to compare that when you had five quarterbacks go in the top 15 last year. So it's a little yeah. little different. We might only have yeah, one, right. maybe. maybe if Waddle none. was coming out this year, he would have gone much earlier. Right. If Waddle was in this class, he'd be a top arguably But at the same time, pick. though, Waddle, I'm pretty sure, was consensus wide receiver 26 in, on keep trade cut and in startups. Olave right now is wide receiver 28. So oh. I agree the price on oh, Waddle wow. was a little bit higher, but I don't think it realistically is is as because I think a lot of people, including myself, missed on Waddle. I think we were too low on Waddle. But at the same time, I think that people are too high on Olave. I, I think that's the issue. I do not want to pick him at top 30 valuation in startups or at that price that he's going for in rookie drafts. I think he's a fine player, but overall, I want to bet on a player with more of a skill set than Olave has. And I guess the biggest problem is that if he goes to Green Bay or Kansas City, then the price is going to go even higher. And it's yeah. going to be more than what Waddle was last year. Yeah, no, I mean, it will. I will say this, though. Like, I don't think anyone here can really uh, defend his yards after catch. He's not good after the catch. But I, I still do think that there are plenty of NFL receivers who aren't really good yards after catch guys that are still productive. And I think his big playability, I like his route running a lot. I think it's, he's one of the better route runners of the draft. And like you said, his ability to just, like, manipulate man coverage, uh, especially down the field, I, I, I still think he can be productive in the NFL level. 
Yeah, he's just he's an interesting evaluation because you'd rather be in Olave, and to me, win kind of doing a, the same or a very similar thing, than be one of those dudes that's just good at everything but not elite at anything. Like you need to be elite at something, and Olave is elite at attacking vertically a D-backs leverage, and he will be able to win at the NFL. The question is kind of just how consistently will he be able to win and how much is that going to result in fantasy production? Because he could have the production of a Marquez Valdez-Scantling. And I mean, if you look at Marquez Valdez-Scantling, like the production numbers aren't going to wow you, but I can sure as hell tell you that the the, the Packers are pissed off that he's not there because he filled that deep threat role on the offense. I mean, we've seen it time and time again. Ruggs getting picked as the wide receiver one. No, the Raiders did not think that Ruggs was the best receiver prospect, but he filled that deep threat role better than anyone else. Like, CeeDee Lamb can't fill the role that, at least in theory, that they wanted Ruggs to fill, even though CeeDee Lamb is just a better overall receiver. So I think that that's a little bit of the difference. And, And where does that show up on the stat sheet for fantasy? So I, it's going to be interesting to see. I, I think I'm more out on Olave, but I'm not totally out on him. I just think the price is a little bit too high for the profile. I'm certainly not drafting him in the first. And I think that's where you're going to have to draft him. Depends on how high he goes. In if, it, if it's too, I might, I might take him at like, I, I ideally would want to pick him probably like 112. Maybe a 111, like a 201, kind of where like Elijah Moore was going last year. Because I think I like Elijah Moore a little bit more than I liked Olave. And you were able to get him at around there, right? 112, 201, 202. I like I liked Elijah Moore decently more than I did Olave um, in the terms of where they're going. But yeah, Jake, Jake said earlier, though, there was the four or five quarterbacks that were pushing uh, players like Waddle and Elijah Moore down the board. Yeah, I guess the other qualm and the decision that you have to make on Olave is because it's not like this horizontal and lateral quickness can't be solved and he can't develop into a better overall receiver than than he is currently. Because he's a pretty damn good receiver as is. If he develops these other parts of his games, then he can really be good and and he can have some pretty nice upside. I personally just don't believe looking at the season he had last year, the fact that I don't think he's improved really at all as a player over the past couple of seasons, that he's going to do this at a higher level. But if you think he can, then I can start to see you justifying this wide receiver 30 or 28 price. I, I You also have to make that distinction on how, if you think he can improve as a player on these issues. Um. Frank, side note here, who did you put a future on to be the first person drafted in the NFL draft? Georgia. Oh, Butler, I threw I threw a buck on um Sauce Gardner and Jordan Davis. Just uh, it's not Jordan gonna happen, Davis. but you had to. Jordan Davis, not Trayvon Walker. Okay. Because I'm looking at a mock draft right now, and this guy has Charles Davis from NFL.com as Trayvon Walker going first. But why I wanted to look at this was I actually want to see what people are now saying Chris Olave is going. Um, interestingly enough, sorry to put us on this little side tangent. They have Malik Willis going six to the Panthers and Garrett Wilson going to eight to the Falcons. That would be super high draft capital to me for those kind of players. Um, but they have, we talked about this team before. We talked about them potentially taking a receiver. They, Charles Davis has the Saints at 16 
picking Chris Olave. Give me, give me J-Mo throwing bombs to Olave all day. <laughs> uh, to me, I, I'm running away from him at, at the late first if that's where he's got to go. I, I just think he's more of like a 204, 205, 206. It, I mean, you're going to have to take him earlier. Yeah, I'm just not I think going real, realistically, the range, if he doesn't land on Green Bay or Kansas City, is probably, you know, 112 to 202 is probably the correct spot for him. Um, this guy. Lutus, who, what uh, do you think? You've been a little bit quiet. What, what, where, where do you land on Olave? I do agree with Jake Wurst in terms of he's in the 111 to 202 range. But for me, like, I, I hate to make, like, I guess landing spot this much of an influence. But man, if he goes to Kansas City, they, he, he easily bumps up a few spots in the first round for me. Landing spot Lunas. Yeah, no, like, yeah, I've been, I've been <laughs> like, avoiding it more. I had to. But I can't, like, I, I think he's going to be better than Juju. Um, I think Kelsey's aging and to pair him with Mahomes, like, I think, I think, he, I think he's a safer prospect than CEH was coming out also. Where it's like that was kind of like the thing with CEH, but I think I feel like more safe about Alave than I do than I did at CEH at the time. Really? Well, I guess at the given price uh, where CEH was getting drafted. Yeah, yeah, no, like I'd like I'd like. Yeah, you had to take CEH at like one hundred two. Yeah, where you yeah. had to take him like in the top two. Yeah. Lewis Even though he was like he was like RB five before the draft. Lewis Rick said he should go like first overall in fantasy drafts. I remember that. Um, I, I would not be surprised if Olave had 70 catches, 850 yards, and five touchdowns in I year would. one. I would. You would? I don't know. Well, the, the one, I guess the healthy, one thing that's nice about like, Olave. I wouldn't shock me at all. Yeah, actually, a healthy season. That, that, that doesn't shock me at all. If, you're, if he's drafted in the first round, even early second, that's what kind of you expect out of a player. Yeah. That's how many players? Just, how many? He would just need like fifty. Last year. I can't he think. would just need like fifty yards a game if he plays seventeen. Like, uh, three Waddle. had more than that. I mean, I don't know about the receptions part, but Chase Waddle, Devonte Smith, I think. Did Elijah Moore break it? Yards. No, I think. Kim no, Elijah Moore didn't play enough. Six hundred yards. Maybe on a per game basis. On a per game basis, basis, he, basis he might have. Yeah. Um. All right. Anything else on Olave? No. I think people know how we feel at this point <laughs> and where yeah. we stand. This is going to be. Um, All right. Let's uh, go on to Jahan Dotson. Oh, um, yeah, I, I was, I've kind of been on the Jahan Dotson train. I think you, um, Jake and Lunas at least weren't terribly far behind me. Um, All aboard, baby. All aboard. Yeah, I, uh, I'm not I on the same in... level as Jake with Jahan Dotson. I dove into the film, and I mean, I can't say I'm not any more on board than I was before. I I love Jahan Dotson as a prospect. The price that he's going at, like, this is the price that I want Olave at, is the one that Jahan Dotson is going for. Because Jahan Dotson, you can consistently get in the early second round. And, man, when you turn it on, he is fucking good. I have my pro comp for him as Darnell Mooney which I don't think is the best pro comp in the world, but they have pretty similar size and they're both players that, and this is one of my favorite traits that to look at in receivers is he just plays bigger than he is, you know, like not only with the ball in his hands, you know, he, he he is a little bit harder to tackle and is able to take a hit more than you'd expect for a dude. That's like five eleven, 180 pounds playing and in the big 10 to go up. Cause I watched it. The only games I watched were Michigan Auburn, 
What was the last one? Ohio State, right? So the, the, he's playing up against some big dudes and some athletes. That Michigan defense, physical-ass defense. And, dude, he's just making so many plays. I want to bring up this this one catch here against Auburn. Yeah, here it is. Like, when I, when I say um, playing, like, through your fingertips, right? Like, play, playing maximum size for your body. Oh, crap, I'm not showing it. This is it. This is play, and I saw this with Darno Mooney a lot, which is why I liked him in that draft. Just making these ridiculous, like literally with his fingertips, using every inch, every centimeter of his frame to make these plays. And not only that, like you see that with the ball in his hands too. He, he plays bigger than you think. He can take a hit. Um, I guess some of the other stuff that's really nice, return punts. So he's, he's not amazing with the ball in his hands, but he's good. He, he's pretty darn good. And they do a lot of stuff where they, they have him take direct, direct snaps and the jet sweeps and handoffs a little bit. You know, everyone's calling that the new Debo Samuel stuff. He's not Debo mm -hmm. Samuel, but they use him on those plays. That was a meme, by the way. I'm completely memeing. Um, like, the other thing, too, is that this, this Penn State offense was kind of just a shit show at times. You know, it, it, that, that quarterback, Clifford, like, inconsistent is the right way to to phrase his play you know he has some good throws but for every good throw he's just sailing one into the sidelines <laughs> like so he was able to have some pretty damn nice production on some on just a wacky offense and not only that if you watch this michigan game time after time after time when it's in these in these have to have it scenarios right on this play here, it, it's two-point conversion. Like, three plays ago, it was a fourth and four. Six plays ago, it was a fourth and two. This two-point conversion that tied the game up in the fourth quarter, they went to Dotson every single time. And guess what? It worked every single time. You know, they kept giving him one-on-one -on -one coverage, and he kept beating one-on-one -on -one coverage against a good-ass Michigan second. Like, this is a Michigan team that's going to have, like, most of this defense get drafted within the first three rounds of the NFL draft. So just the production mark checks the checks the box. He's really good on all three levels. Checks that box. Plays bigger than his size. Checks that box. So I just think that he checks so many boxes. Even if he's a late declare, even if his production on a per game basis was stagnant from last year to this year, even with all that. At the price tag, I am all in on Jahan Dotson. I'm going to be having a lot of him right now. Okay. So, um, hold on, hold on, Lewis. I got go ahead, JT. I actually think I'm going to be more on JT's side during this. Thank segment. you, Lewis. If you're watching... Is that a good thing, JT? Is that a good thing? It's a great thing. And he has nasty I'm hands. Good. His hands are fucking amazing, by the way. Um, if you're watching us on, like, YouTube and you're watching, like, the clips instead of the actual full, like, podcast, just, like, go... Real quick, just go watch the Chris Olave video, and it's just going to be exactly the same thing I'm going to say about Jahan Dotson, except I like Olave more than Dotson. So that's where you got me now. So if, if Olave to me is like a 204, 205, 206, Dotson's more like a 206, 207, 208, where it's it's just all the same thing, except it took him until his senior, real to, senior year to really show us some true actual production, his yards per rap run, are not that great either. They're actually one one of the lowest in terms of the the players coming out. Maybe that could be attributed to bad quarterback play. But to be fair, like 
you have G5 players that also have terrible quarterbacks going to them. So I don't know. Um, it's just like it's the worst version of Olave to me. Um, Olave, well, I, I think, I guess the rebuttal I'd have to that is that it's a culmination of the, the timing of, of the routes, right? Where part of it is on Jahan Dotson because one of the biggest qualms I had with him is that he ad-libs on his releases and takes way too much time on his releases consistently. He dances around too much, which will throw off the timing of these plays sometimes. And that is kind of a result of he has a tendency, and Michigan kind of exposed this a little bit. If you have a physical-ass corner, athletic-ass physical corner on him, he can get jammed too much, and then that will mm-hmm. throw off the timing of the route. And when you have these zone defenses where you have a wall defender, if it's an athletic linebacker or safety that's good with his hands, you can reroute Jahan Dotson too much compared to what you want in like a first-round pick ideal receiver. Those are That's definitely mm-hmm. the biggest <clears throat> issue with that I have with Dotson as a player. Combined with the fact that the Penn State – now. Part of it's on the offensive line. Part of it's on the quarterback. It's not just like, oh, Clifford sucked, because that's just not true. But there was a lot of times where the plays just broke down too much. And that w- and not only that, then Clifford would give up on plays and stuff. So I definitely did see a lot of, okay, Dotson's running a ton of routes and then not getting the targets. I think it was because of those issues, and I, I'm pretty sure I'm not in the room, so take this with some grains of salt, but that Penn State offense did kind of seem like an offense where, um, it, like, say they're running three-by-one set. They have a concept side and then kind of a dots inside, and it's like, it depending on the look we see pre-snap, we're either going this way or this way, and there's no changing that unless the play, play breaks down. So I think that doesn't help them either if they're just not getting the looks that they want. He's just going to be running routes with no chance of being targeted. Let, yes, let me add so. two things. Let me add two things, and I'll shut up for like a while. Um, one is Reese Morris is in chat saying, uh, "No way in hell are you getting Olave or Dotson in mid second round. No way." That is kind of the point. Like, I'm just okay missing out on those guys, and if they if they do end up falling to me, that's fine. But I'm I'm fine missing them. And so, if they who are you? Good, I guess just. Who do you want in the early second round, if not probably guys? Pickens, Bell, Sky Moore, Christian Watson? Uh, the player back. you can trade the they pick cor- for is what he wants. Quarterback, <laughs> also that, also that, probably, probably that. To be honest, uh, the other thing was what you're saying with the Jahan Dotson. It's one of my biggest pet peeves in, in terms of wide receivers when they're just doing too much for no reason. Like it's the issue that I have with Jerry Judy, Kadarius Tony. Uh, it's it's why I like players like Jamar Chase and Jalen Wall more. It's just like they win. Like they automatically, it doesn't take too many steps. They don't waste steps. They just win straight away. And, uh, you know, it, it, I think it translates to the NFL. But, yeah, all right. So I will I will shut up and let you guys. I, I kind of viewed Dotson almost in some – well, it, he's faster than Tony, but as almost like a smaller, uh, less explosive. So Well, not less explosive, but just not as good. Um for me, with him, does his size does his size concern you? He's five eleven and one eighty five, and he a lot of Jalen Waddle. He had no. The problem more so with it is I I think Waddle just could beat press coverage way better, 
uh, Jahan Dotson had a lot of his production off of like scheme plays for him or against zone coverages, and he was actually pretty productive against zone coverages. So I'll give him credit for that with finding the soft spots and zone, soft spots and zones. But my concern is kind of Frank Wood. You mentioned with like he's not obviously a big receiver, and I don't think he has the route running ability as like a like Devonte Smith who was skinnier or like Jalen Waddle who was like the same size. Um, to beat like press man coverage, he's going to face in the NFL where you can get jammed up, taking too many steps. Um, and I think people will kind of figure that out right away. I, I remember that happened with Jalen Rager uh, coming into the NFL where he had a lot of production against zone, and then as soon as uh, corners started pressing up against him, he his entire route would be messed up for the rest of the play. So there are like things that I'm concerned about with him. I still do view him as like a mid second round pick, um, and I think it's fine taking him there. Even maybe as high as like a two hundred five, but um, he's not in the same tier as like those guys I expect to go late first, early second. I love it. Sorry, I'm, I'm Welcome playing aboard. a route here. On the, <laughs> I'm playing a route here on the screen, dude. This is just so saucy. That's Dax Hill too. That's probably a very early second or late first level corner. I don't know. I, I clearly Jahan Dotson is my draft crush, and I, like you said, um, I'm right there with you, Frank. I just he does everything well, and that's really what I, his routes we just saw. I think is he's a fantastic. I think he's an elite route runner, and that's really what separates him. Obviously, he has some skill, like some areas that he needs to work on. But everyone does, and the problem, the thing is, like if you're going to tell me at the beginning of the second round, you're going to find a guy that's a better route runner, better hands than him. I just think you're going to struggle to find that. Obviously, you're going to point to Sky Moore, and that's an argument that I. I might be on Scott Moore's side just because I think he's being undervalued right now because he went to Western Michigan and not Penn yeah. State. But in terms of if I'm sitting there at 203, 204, I'm smashing every single time on Jahan Dotson. I think he's going to be a fantastic wide receiver in the NFL. And I think the thing with him is that he's going to slot nicely next to whoever you want to put him with. He will pair with anyone in the league. You, you, can, put, you can put him outside. You can put him inside. He He'll do whatever the offense needs, and that's why I think he's going to have a role pretty much immediately once he gets there. He's not going to have to wait for, oh, you know, this guy's going to be a free agent next year, and then he'll have a bigger role. Like, we don't have to wait for that. He'll be wherever you want him to be because he can play in the slot. He can play outside. You have him. We saw him in some of those clips, you know, intermediate-level routes. We saw him get the ball behind the line of scrimmage. I think he does a lot, and I think that's yeah. something that – I think you can see that trans, uh, translate very easily, and that's why I just think he's a smash except in the except smash by uh, draft in the early second round. Well, yeah, that, that's a interesting point that you brought up about being able to produce immediately because one of the big points that I forgot, it's actually the first line I have here in my notes of Dotson, is that, and that's one of the things that Luna's kind of brought up, finding the soft spots and zones. I think that his awareness is just exceptionally high. Something that I think I had discounted a little bit before, right? Because now I, I, I don't, I'm not pro comping him to Jamar Chase. So just I'm going to compare yeah. one thing Jahan he does Dotson to Jamar, Jamar Chase. Chase. Let's chill out before you start going crazy on me. Thirty twenty Frank says Jahan Dotson equals Jamar the next Jamar um, Chase. Let me let me pull up. I'll just pull up the clip. It's it's easier if I do that um, than trying to explain it. Here on these types of plays, this is something that Jamar Chase. If you watched the Bengals last year. And, and at LSU did a lot that I discounted is when he catches the ball, like, okay, this is the wrong fucking play. Um, <laughs> <laughs> LMAO. Here it is. Here it is. 250. 
Okay, same game. I knew it was this game. So this is going to be an underthrown ball on this this in. Actually, I think it's a. He just is is doing a curl, but it ends up being underthrown. So it ends up more as like a little digger and in. He not only does he adjust to the football, but he's able to see this this defender out of the corner of his eye and adjust. You know where he's going, move backwards to then end up going forwards, make the guy miss, get the first down, go down. Jamar Chase did that consistently on the Bengals. I mean, there's other clips of that exact concept that I can bring up, but for the interest of time, uh, I'm not going to do so. Um, I, I just love that out of out of Dotson, and now you can see why with with the production that Jamar Chase had, having that awareness to do so really does lead to more production. I mean, there was plenty of plays where Jamar Chase would catch the ball, see a defender coming out of the corner of his eye, make him miss, and then end up taking that for a touchdown. Like, that does equate to more fantasy points. It's pretty important, right? Like, so that's what you, I like about Dotson. You know who he reminds me of? Uh, like, a not as good Deontay Johnson, I think is what I'd classify him as. Which Yeah, I think the thing is, is that Deontay to me was just, his release was nasty. I was about to where say. Dotson's releases are just like. Deontay eats I, man coverage. They're inconsistent. I'd say more so than bad or good. Because like for every time that he gets jammed up and walled at the line of scrimmage, I can also point you to a clip where he just sauces someone. Mm-hmm. So I think it's, it's more inconsistent than an issue, I would say. Um, but All at right. the same time, Dotson's got way better hands than Deontay had. He definitely improved that over the course of his tenure as a Steeler. Um, anything else we want to say about Jahan Dotson? Um, I think the one thing that's kind of keeping him, because I've, I've said basically nothing but good about him, the one thing that really is keeping him from being in that upper, upper echelon of receivers is the fact that he has some physical limitations um, for someone being 5'11", like 183, 185, 180, yeah. somewhere on there. He's not a complete blazer. He's fast, but he's not like Jalen Waddle level fast. Um, and then for being a senior, we didn't see that complete linear trajectory on a per game basis. He averaged the same amount of yards per game last year as he did this year, even though his role increased this year. Um, so, that that is another like at the end of the day, even though I like Dotson, that is a red flag and something that I have to use to to bump him down if I'm bumping other people down because of it. Jake, would you rather have Kenny Pickett or Jahan Dotson? Kenny Pickett or, or Jahan yeah. Dotson? I mean, yeah. That's I don't think you're gonna, I don't think you're really going to have the choice between the two. But I guess I'll go the quarterback here. Desmond Ritter or Jahan Dotson. Probably Ritter. Corral or Dotson? I mean, you're just moving up my boy on quarterback, so Corral. <laughs> okay. No, but all right. So if, if, you're having, if you're having all those guys over Jahan Dotson, I just – I think you're you're going to fall into the same kind of – like, I don't see where It's also so hard him. to tell with the QBs this early. I guess. Right, the QBs I, could drastically change come yeah. draft capital because we all know quarterbacks' biggest – Telltale sign of rookie draft ADP is where they their ADP changes it. everything. Yeah, with the yeah, which is fair. Yes, I just at this point in time I struggle to see how Jahan Dotson you could justify taking him 
in that kind of late first, early second area um, that he probably is currently being mocked in. Mm-hmm. It's just, I don't know. Wait, late first, early second for rookie drafts or for the actual? Yeah, 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 yeah. Rookie drafts, rookie drafts. I don't think he's being mocked there. All right. Well, yeah. I actually, I want to move it. I'm moving this up on the doc, by the way, the, the QB1 okay. paradox, because this is a discussion okay. that we wanted to have last week, but we didn't have time for. And we have brought this up, but we, I don't think we actually had a specific segment about it. We're calling it the QB1 paradox. That's not the best way to describe this, but it's definitely something is, to keep in mind. Is this officially our pod second paradox? <laughs> I, I, I think we've had more, but yeah, I guess this is like. I'm trying to remember the other. Edition. I know, like, Joe Mixon. Joe Mixon paradox. Um, uh, there's been other ones. Like, there's there probably has. been one around Miles Sanders for players that suck that Lunas loves and <laughs> oh my God. Uh, things of that nature. <laughs> All right. Sorry, I had to take that dig there. Yeah, actually, uh, ironically, fits under the Joe Mixon paradox. <laughs> <laughs> I actually don't. I'm kind of going at you this episode, Lunas. I'm sorry. Yeah. Lunas, was, was our bet Miles I Sanders could, and Joe Mixon? Was that I the could bet? Take it. I could take it. That was yes. Yeah, you got <laughs> smoked on that one. Yeah. <laughs> Um, we'll let Frank one. cook here. Well, yeah, so I, I, what example do we want to use? I guess I'll use Jamar Chase last year, um, but I, then we could start applying it to people this year. Like, you have a lot of analysts that, and, and people in general, right, that are like, okay, Jamar Chase is my wide receiver one, right? And they're they're doing all this stuff about Jamar Chase, yada, 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 yada. Um, but then if if you were to to do a startup draft with those people, you could get, you could have gotten Jamar Chase at basically his consensus price. If you listed out all of the receivers in a rankings and you're not just comparing the rookies to rookies, but you're comparing the rookies to every asset in dynasty fantasy football, because whether you like it or not, there really wasn't a lot of people that were taking Jamar Chase as a top 10 overall wide receiver last season it happened you know after he started just kind of tearing up the league so that's where i kind of wanted to come into like there's this error we call it the qb1 paradox i I guess where you have people that are you know hyping up hyping up hyping up these players but if you if you were to make them list out all of their players they're kind of on consensus with them and it's not only something to take into account with analysts but it's also something to take into account with startup drafts because i think that you can kind of psych yourself out of potentially picking a rookie player because let's say everyone's saying like oh i love drake london that's something that's happening right now like drake london this drake london that and then all of a sudden he's sitting there in late round 3 maybe like mid round 4 of your rookie draft and you have to stack him up against maybe a player like DJ Moore, right? When if you were to compare DJ Moore and Drake London as prospects, I'm going to make the argument that Drake London is a better prospect than DJ Moore, even though we've seen what DJ Moore can do. Like, So you can kind of still get a good price on some of these hyped rookies in a startup draft if they're in a correct range. You guys see where I'm coming out here? I'm starting to... To yeah. fumble the bag a little bit with the yeah. segment, Bring, but... bringing DJ Moore into this kind of hurt me because he, I would trade. Yeah, DJ no, Moore I might not the be the best. Um, let me let me bring up. Um, where's London at in consensus? Probably around like eighteen or something. Yeah, so he would be around like Jerry Judy, I guess. Oh um, yeah, I think yeah, he's around like Judy. Judy. I think Devonte Smith is around there. I take Drake London over Devonte. 
Um, so yeah, Terry McLaurin, Jerry Judy, Michael Pittman, somewhere around. Terry McLaurin is probably a fantastic example where it's like Terry McLaurin, there's a good amount of people that might say that Drake London is their wide receiver one, yet will take Terry McLaurin over um mm-hmm. Drake London consistently. Which mm-hmm. like, you kind of see the the discrepancy there. So like it's not only just saying like kind of like a complain, but it's also like you can take advantage of that fact. If you truly have Drake London as your wide receiver one and think like, dude, like Drake London is a top tier, tier one or, or high tier two level prospect. You can go in a lot of startups and get Drake London at a pretty favorable price. No, that's true. No, I, I think, I think now is like kind of the cheapest time to buy those before. Cause like I mentioned, you see how much if you bought what was I wonder if you could see on Keep Che Cut, like what was um Jalen Waddle's consensus receiver ranking? Um it wasn't very then, high. Yeah. Are you on top probably, of that, Frank? Because I want to try something else out. Yeah, I got that. it. Um because okay. this was probably so, like wait, somewhere what, in the what 20th. day is it today? April 5th? Yes. Uh he was wide receiver 25 last year. See, and if you buy one of those rookies around that price of like the 18 to 25, they, they don't need to have necessarily, even though Jalen Waddle's season was ridiculous, but like the second half of the season, but they don't need to have like like a Jamar Chase type season for them to jump up into that top five dynasty wide receiver rankings. Like Jalen Waddle had like a, a good, I think he had around a thousand yards, I want to say, maybe 1100. Um, and he's jumped up to now like wide receiver three or four in dynasty. Um, I think four or five. Oh, what is he now? Seven. Seven? Well, yeah. There was I a mean, point right, where he was right wide receiver the four not ended, too long he, ago. Was, he was a little bit higher. I think because yeah. of the Tyree kill trade, he's dropped a smidge. Yeah, but after the season, he was wide receiver four is, is more so the point I was making. That's why I actually don't have a problem for the most part if you're taking those veteran wide receivers and you're moving them for draft picks in terms of like if you wanted to move Keenan Allen right now for I don't know what he's currently worth on keep trade cut. Um, if someone could, I could pull it up actually. Um, but the reason why I'm okay moving a player like Keenan Allen for roughly the 110 in this, uh, I don't think he'll get it. I think you can, for Keenan Allen. It, I think it depends on the person. I mean, yeah. I'd probably move Keenan Allen for Marquise Brown looking at keep trade cut right now as they're ranked right next to each other, but um, the reason I'm okay moving that kind of player for a receiver like that because. Well, someone like Drake London might not be available there. But those kind of receivers, such as Jalen Rager, even when they don't hit, because I just looked this up, Jalen Rager had a terrible rookie season. He did nothing. Like he had... I tweeted about it. I think another point you're going to bring up. Did you? I, I Maybe I saw it. Yeah, actually, no, Frank did yeah, just tweet about it. a full year like, after Jalen Rager's yeah. – like literally a year ago – from today, you could have traded Jalen Rager in a second and gotten a first. Yeah, that, that was only on. in that same vein. He was wide receiver twenty-five uh, before the the season started. I think before even the draft happened. And after his terrible season, he only dropped down to wide receiver forty, which is not a big change in value at all. If you are familiar with what the receiver rankings are, so even if you take a big swing and you miss. You're still not losing that much value, but you just got to know when to cut your ties. And if a receiver isn't producing early, that is the time to cut ties. Like Jalen Rager was a prime example of that um, player to cut ties with. Um, 
Brian yeah, especially Edwards, the ones that are heavily hyped and, and in that range, because <laughs> I imagine if you say that people will bring up now we're kind of shifting the topic, but whatever um, people will bring up. Um, what's his name? What was that dude from LSU last year? What's his name? Terrace Marshall. Terrace Marshall. Yes. Like someone will bring up, Oh, well, Terrace Marshall, he, he plummeted. I can't sell him for shit now, but Terrace Marshall was never at that price. Yeah, that Jalen Rager was like Jalen Rager yeah. was at that first round pick premium level price, right? Like, so I agree. I guess part now of it is research. Um, like I, I was probably one of the highest people in the world on Terrace Marshall. And where did I have to draft him at? Jalen Rager so, went, uh, went in the first round in his rookie draft. And yeah, and a strong Marshall, rookie class. Marshall was around like my bad picks. 204. <laughs> yeah, I took I him at 204. I took him at 204. No, Rager was going to, Rager was going around like 108, 110, or no, 110 mm-hmm. in like his rookie draft. You don't win leagues with value, you win leagues by rostering high-scoring players. Yeah, I agree, but I think that like when you're looking at in the vein of a startup draft, I would much rather draft for value in a startup, more so than I even said last year, than go for a combination of trying to score a lot plus value or going for trying to score. I think if you're doing any sort of draft, I'm going only for – I agree with Luke L., also, um, just um, you only go for value. Yeah, Fuck yeah, Luke L. Kid. I, I was because also the thing s- is, is that you ahead. can trade value for points whenever you want. You can't do it the other way around. That's perfectly what I was going. To agree. Veterans are so attainable to get. Uh, like you could just like I'm going to put it out there. Last year I gave up Rager, and I think it was two a week. And with these knuckleheads, and I got OBJ and James Conner, and I got a bunch of production from those two players, and I didn't lose out on it much like i didn't lose on much value it's easy See, to get i don't production. i don't agree with the you win leagues with luck i mean you might win the championship with luck to a certain extent yes you know winning the championship you ha- you do have to have luck but you also put yourself in championships by getting enough value and and i like to me with my premium dynasty teams, the ones that I really am having success with is because like I was able to acquire value through trades or drafts and then trade the, the flashy value for good producing veterans and draft picks, and then kind of snowball that over and over and over again to the point where I have multiple leagues now where I have contending rosters and extra draft picks. Yeah, we're like to I, me that's that's a dynasty right like that's the point of the fucking game at that point it's like you're yeah. trying to create a dynasty i have very little risk and i'm not rebuilding or retooling i'm still competing yeah. so someone now we're talking game theory someone i saw i forget, i think it might have been ad echo or whatever i don't know how to say his name on twitter uh just studying into it and it, what's important actually is you want those bye weeks if you're in a 12 team league the bye weeks because what they found was Essentially, when you're in the playoffs, it's basically a coin flip of, of what team does win or lose. Like, even the most super stacked teams is the playoffs. Anything can happen from one week to another. So, it's a coin flip. So, if you get that bye week, you're just you're one coin flip closer to, to winning the championship. So, there is luck is part of it, but you can help your luck out by making a roster good enough to make, uh, you know, to get the bye week, essentially. I mean, listen, I'm the king of losing championships, so I'm not going to disagree. Like, I, I feel like I have plenty of teams that 
should be championship winners. It just doesn't happen. But like, you it's not all luck. The reason that those teams went into the championship to me, it's like, I was able to acquire enough value and then pivot. And like, especially when you're a contender, you're able to do things that rebuilders aren't able to do. I'm able to buy Jamison Crowders and give no fucks if he <laughs> disappears next year. Because let's say yeah. <laughs> this is not going to be the best example, but it is an example. Someone like Terry McLaurin. Basically, uh, maybe, maybe DJ Moore is a better example. DJ Moore is coveted by every single fantasy team. Rebuilders, contenders, whatever. There is going to be people, no matter what your team context is, that want to buy DJ Moore. Only contenders want Jameson Crowder. Not a single rebuilder wants to touch Jameson Crowder because he could explode like that. Mm -hmm. So what I like to do, and I've been doing now for a couple of seasons, is I will take a DJ Moore, trade for DJ Moore level draft capital plus Jamison Crowder and then really not lose that much in production. I mean, maybe DJ Moore, Terry McLaurin was a better example, but you mitigate all your risk by getting the, the amount of DJ Moore in draft picks. Plus I get a very similar points per game player in Jamison Crowder on a fucking really good offense. And if you do that over and over and over, and then once those first round picks accrue and gain value, it's like, dude, I don't. The, the, I can go back and trade those twenty twenty three first for the new Jamison Crowder and another first, yeah, and then no. you know keep the cycle going and have no risk. And then if I need to really, if my team blows up and I need to use that first round pick on a quarterback or something, okay, fine, I'll package two first round picks and pick up a sick quarterback. Yeah, no, the best thing you can do in Dynasty is mostly just <laughs> asset management. Because you talk about, like, having those, like, high-value players. You have good asset management over, like, especially if you plan on staying for multiple years, you'll be able to cash in all of that for, like, good players at certain points. Making smart picks with those draft picks. And, like, their value just skyrockets instantly. Um, and with Frank's <laughs> strategy, I mean, Frank's team has been set now for yeah, years. Yeah, I, I, I see what Joe Herbert is saying. But, like, that's where I was going with the... Playoffs is luck, but you can create your own luck by just having a better team. I will say, though, if we want to just move on to the next segment, I could talk about asset management. I, trades we're doing, I made a fairly large trade in our home league about asset management. Um, it was essentially, I traded away Jonathan Taylor, believe it or not, um, who I have long, if you're a long-time listener of this podcast, you've been through it all with me and Jonathan Taylor, his first few weeks where he wasn't producing and you guys were pushing me on my panic meter on him to him being the greatest of all time and me feeling on top of the world. Uh, but now I feel like it was the time to move off Jonathan Taylor. And the reason being is he's like a top, like he's, he's like first five picks in startup drafts, essentially. Um, and to me, that is just a lot of value to put into a running back who at any given moment, you know, could just, poof now do i think that i will actually happen with jonathan taylor no i mean for all i know he can be the next derrick henry in terms of like he's just dominating the league still at like 28 years old which is like certainly in jonathan taylor's range of outcomes but i trade away jonathan taylor for kyle pitts and 107 in this year's draft class and the reason behind that is and you guys could cru crucify for me for this if you think it's a bad trade but i just think kyle pitts 
if you want to like look at wins above replacement kind of thing, like Kyle Pitts and my projections of why I think Kyle Pitts will be, I just think he's so much younger than any so so much younger than any of those other top tier tight ends. And like his rookie season, which went quietly, was like the best rookie season that we've seen since Evan Ingram. And I just think he's like a tremendously better prospect. Than Evan Ingram, not even. Yeah, yeah, I know. Sorry, I, I, it does no, kind of stain his name bringing up Evan. Ingram, I was going to say, yeah, I actually crazy. thought that was a great trade because, like, like you mentioned with Jonathan Taylor, um, there's always a chance like he could go Derrick Henry, but Jonathan Taylor's now is probably similar to like Ezekiel Elliott after his first or second season. Zeke came in right away, rushed for like 1,500 yards, or like a Saquon came right in, and obviously, I think Jonathan Taylor is going to be really good, but. Like, you never know how it's going to go with running backs versus, like, I'm confident that, like, Kyle Pitts is going to be a top five tight end for the next, what, like, 10 years, 12 years, and you have 107. Obviously, running back scarcity is going to make Jonathan Taylor more, like, appealing at the moment. But in terms of just, like, the long-term outlook and you get, like, now where 107 is good, you could possibly even get, like, a Kenneth Walker if you wanted there. Or like one of those uh, big three receivers. I, I thought it was a good trade. I- I'd argue tight end scarcity is even... Greater no, actually, that's a good point. Yeah, no, no, that is true. Of, well, especially with all like the yeah. kind of the ones we know, like starting to age out, like Kelsey, Waller, Kittle. Kittle. There's no one yeah. close to Pitts, really. Yeah. So first off, JT, I, I hate doing this publicly, oh, but I thought it was. It to me. I, Turn that mic volume up. Let's hear it. <laughs> I thought it was a fantastic trade for you. I hate saying this. I, it never, it never happened. If anyone asks. Wait, we um, haven't seen this in a long time, people gonna record it oh my god fuck off oh, and the there it is. Um, <laughs> i don't know i think i've said it before on this pod but i'm gonna say it again once you're the running back one you're no longer the running back one um there's always running back scarcity is just it's just a revolving door and you know jonathan taylor's now heading into his age 24 season people are gonna start saying oh oh he's 25 oh oh, oh he's 26 like, it's just one of those things where you sold at his max value and got a guy in Kyle Pitts who's going to be around a long time. Tight ends yeah. last a whole lot longer than running backs. And on top of that, you added a first-round pick. So now, you, if you really wanted to, you could turn around and trade that first-round pick for another running back that's really, really good, just not Jonathan Tyler level value. You get to trade him for Dalvin Cook. Great. So now you're telling me I could have Dalvin Cook and... Kyle Pitts for Jonathan Taylor, fine. Or you can sit there and take whoever, whatever rookie you feel is best at 107. I just think this is a, a really just a non-lose trade for you, and I hate saying that aloud, but <laughs> but it is. Anyone disagree? I mean, I look, you're not going to hurt my feelings if you think like that's the wrong move. Um, I don't. Know, I think it it hurts your production next year potentially, yeah. but in terms of value, it's as long as you don't completely fuck up whatever you do with that 107 side of it, oh, I, I think can, you're though. you're pretty good. Um, you're not Lunas. You're not going to take Jalen Rager at 107. Okay, I didn't take Jalen Rager at 107. <laughs> <laughs> but you, I, mean, I, I think that Jonathan Taylor is a fantastic player, though. I mean, the one I interesting so thing I find about Jonathan Taylor is that um, you know, he's definitely producing on the early end of the bell curve for running backs. You know, most the running back one overall is not like a 23-year-old. Generally speaking, they're more like 25, 26, 24. Um, 
not saying that that younger running backs don't produce RB1 seasons, just the RB1 overall, right? The the cream of the crop, tippy top dude. Um, So I'm just wondering if he actually will be able to do that later into his career. I mean, that's complete projections and off the talent levels. I think so. Yes, but it will be interesting to see. I see. Um, so Jacob Smith, like he's bringing up Matt Ryan. Is it there? What if they botch the quarterback? I don't really buy quarterback is the reason why receivers produce. I mean, I think it could definitely separate you from being the wide receiver one overall versus being wide receiver 10. But I'm not yeah, going to like, completely buy in or fade away a specific receiver just because of the quarterback. Because I think we've seen just enough examples of receivers producing good with shit quarterbacks and situations that I'd rather buy into something else with more evidence than that. Well, let's, let's talk about all the tight ends right now. I mean, Kittle has Jimmy G. So like, he's no world beater. Like he's fine. Derek Carr is fine with Darren Waller. Um, TJ Hawkinson has had Jared Goff. He had Matthew Stafford. Now he has Jared Goff. Um, Mark Andrews is on the, one of the lowest passing yards per season team in, in terms of the Ravens, like yeah, so I I, I think <laughs> I, I I think I think yeah the the quarterback play is kind of it doesn't really mean a whole lot for me especially gotta yeah, stay no. on the field can't go three and out and punt every time but the thing is like that that's, you won't with Palpitz. <laughs> I mean that's obviously the extreme like maybe yeah, it's, it's concerning like- if the Falcons are the worst offense in the NFL but I'm. I also don't think that the Falcons will have the last worst offense in the NFL. I think it's hard to project who's actually going to be the worst. And that usually means more than just than having just a bad quarterback. That usually means like complete dysfunction from the entire offense that leads to having uh, like a complete garbage. They never score any time offense. I, I'm um, actually also- surprised. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, like, why are we acting like the Falcons were like this insane passing attack with Matt Ryan last year? He didn't pass for 4,000. Like, he, he threw for the lowest amount of touchdowns since his rookie season. Just because season. you knew Matt um, Ryan's going to be a, a fine quarterback. You don't know what you're going to get from Mariota and or a rookie quarterback. You know what I, you were going to get from Matt I don't Ryan. Know how much worse it's going to be than like 20 passing touchdowns. Obviously, I don't think you reached the passing yards, but I just think he's going to get all the targets, like who's stealing targets from Zacchaeus and Auden Tate. Like it's Mariota. And also Mariota with uh, Johnny Smith used to just always feed Johnny. Like I remember when they were healthy playing together. Uh, Falcons so- O-line is god awful. Well, the thing it's interesting about the Falcons O-line is that they actually had pretty good tackle play. It was the interior of their offensive mm-hmm. line that was pretty dog shit. So <laughs> what was the quote about? Um, What's his name? Jalen Mayfield or something. Oh, yeah, he got, got baptized, baptized that yeah. week one, yeah. Yeah, he got baptized by Fletcher Cox. <laughs> I, I think I like what fat Nicolas Cage can do. I think that, that uh, my issue, aren't as bad as people My think. issue, I, I had two things. I'm surprised, one, that this is actually, uh, will Kyle Pitts be good discussion? He's more than, good. Uh, more than uh, is Jonathan Taylor, like, elite discussion? Like, I, I thought this was going to be more of, like, a, you gave up Jonathan Taylor? Like, what? Like, he's just... The clear cut running back one. Well, I, I, think, I mean, he is. I he mean, is, it's a good rule of thumb. If you're getting Kyle Pitts in a trade, like 
Yeah, most of the time, up. it's like it's not that bad. I, yeah, but you know, I mean, you're just getting like, Kyle look, Pitts. Like, look at <laughs> look at all the running backs across the league, and like, there's no one you want in, in the same stratosphere as Jonathan Taylor. I think at this point, he's just he was the running back one. He's young, no injury history. Like, there's just so much going. Great offensive line. There's so much going for him compared to literally anyone else. I'm surprised that's the discussion, but, but that's whatever. That's that's the price. Yeah, that, that is priced in. Was yeah. That, that's how Jonathan you, Taylor. Yeah, that's how you get an elite tight end prospect that's also young and a first round pick. True. Yeah, you you got Kyle Pitts and you got a first. You know, it's not like you know that the risk happen. is not you on your keep... side of the deal, really. Like, okay, you can miss out. Like, if Jonathan Taylor is like the next best running back of all time, it's gonna suck. But like, if if Kyle Pitts is also a ridiculous level of tight end, it's really not that bad. My my other issue was with Arthur Smith and how they were using Kyle Pitts in the red zone, where he felt more like a decoy than like an actual weapon, which I don't understand why that was the case. But uh, how many touchdowns did he have last year? Zero. Two, one. Kyle Pitts zero. had one. One. And it one. wasn't in America. He had zero touchdowns. Yeah, that's never going to happen. He had 900 yeah. like yards. He had one touchdown. It was in London. So, I will see. <laughs> All right, I think that's enough time we spent on this. I do have one other trade that I was looking to do, and this is more of like a – like last year how we were talking about Jacoby Myers and everything and then Marquez Callaway. It's should I try and sell Albert O for a second? Yes. And yes. You're welcome. Is that consensus? Because yes. <laughs> my issue is like a second He's this next, year, I don't he... know if I love it. Yes, Jake? I'd rather have Trey McBride than Albert O probably. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just think this is the next round of Adam Troutman, Herb Smith, whatever, <laughs> whatever you want to say. Guys, you know, second year tight end. You've been burned by those guys too much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, guys. Fool me once. Shame on, shame on me. Fool me. You can't get fooled again. Um, uh, he, he's the same thing where he's getting hyped up. He's now the tight end one, Russell Wilson, and he's, everyone's like, oh, he's going to be next big wide, next big thing. He's probably going to be in the wasteland still, and if you can get a second for him, you absolutely do it. Yeah, and I also just think um, they just gave a new contract to Tim Patrick. I think it's going to be him, Judy Sutton, top three in targets. Um, I mean, I yeah, Javante is also going to get some targets as well. Yeah, so. like well, Alberto is going to be fourth. What's the ceiling? Dawson Knox? You know, like yes, you, that is, I, that, that's Knox. what you're. That's what you're. I think it could be ceiling. better than Dawson Knox, but oh. I don't really like Dawson Knox. Just came off a top so. five tight end season. There's no yeah, way. Still, I mean, that is the ceiling. It was crazy touchdown production. I'm talking about like more of a consistent player. Like I see nah, I would, a drop I would off so. for Dawson Knox. Um, I mean, year. I see a drop off for Dawson Knox as well. Well, JT, the other thing the too though is. is that I, I think that when you're talking about Albert O, maybe at least before, um, may, I, I maybe his price has gone down a little bit since then, but. From my perspective and what I saw on Twitter and what I've seen it from his value and keep trade cut. The conversation isn't necessarily Albert O for a second. It's what's like all you're talking about, like a, a decent second round pick for Albert O. We're talking about like Albert yeah, O has some serious hype. Do you think you could get that? Like, who's it going out here and buying Albert O? That's what I was, I was looking across. I have him in a few leagues, Albert O. And it's like, who's really going out to get Albert O? Because like tight end knee teams, they probably still have someone along the likes of. Um, Hunter Henry or Dallas Goddard or someone where they're like saying they're like, well, why am I still giving up a second round pick for Albert O? Like, 
You have to be a true teams, believer. Well, have you there's, tried? There's teams like I, I sent me. a couple around. You know any Broncos? No responses. Why don't you just for so, go go in every one of your leagues and offer from right, 201 we'll right to 206 and see if any of them get accepted? So you say that, JT, but go ahead and look at my third and 20 team. My starting tight end is like Gerald Everett. I have no tight end, and that's why people like go Gerald and do Everett. that. <laughs> yeah, but not as my starting tight end. I don't. Well, would you like? Do you have a second round pick? I could give you. A I, nice I do. Up. I do. Ooh, have a live trade. What second no, round do you have? But I, no, I'm not. Uh, <laughs> you have two away. That's not. I that's have not two away. I'm not going to give you two away. <laughs> trade season. No, Frank. You have two of five. Would you like an Alberto? <laughs> no thanks. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's what I'm saying. People aren't out, actually out here. I mean, I know you guys are. That's why I said if you can but... if you can get any second for him, then take it. Even if it's like a future one from a contender. Like go to a contender and get offer their 2024. Well, I second. mean, I would start off with in all the leagues you have Alberto, offer from 2 1 to 2 6 and see what happens. Then you reevaluate. You get anyone from 2 1 to 2 6. That's crazy. For Alberto. It's not gonna happen, but all right, right? We'll do this. Uh, and Parker, then you try to go pod. for a similar player. Go to Alberta. Dude, it doesn't hurt if you're trying to sell a player. You have leverage. Like it doesn't hurt just to offer out trades, even if they're like slightly like. I mean, I I don't really. I'm not really one of the types of people that's like offended if someone offers me what I deem is a bad trade. Like I don't give a fuck. I'll just hit reject. Yeah, I also don't think this is like an egregious trade that I'm sending out. Like, yeah, if it's I mean, not like, Alberta it's not like two of for Kyler. Hey, hey, hey. Yeah, yeah, I had to bring two up there. <laughs> All right, well, we'll reevaluate that one year from now. Reevaluate. Or Albert Overs. <laughs> it was like a mid second. It was two overs, Kyler, but I was making oh, a joke, okay. JT. Relax. Okay. <laughs> All right, Jake, you want to go into your trade? Yeah, I mean, I it's in the third 20 league. Anyone listening? Want Tyreek Hill? Send me an offer. I'm looking to move him. Uh, but the thing with Tyreek Hill is my team's in a very weird spot. Like I have a very, I have a lot of high level assets in Josh Allen, uh, Justin Jefferson, and uh, Jonathan Taylor. So I ha- also have Tyreek Hill here, and I don't exactly know what to do with him because I think if I hold him, I think this trade to Miami kind of complicated things a little bit because now teams are a little more hesitant to trade for him because they don't know what his role is going to be, especially with Jalen Waddle there. Um, so I was offered a 2024 first and a 2023 second for Tyreek. I don't think – I think it's a pretty good offer, but at the same time I'm like, ooh, but if I hold him, my team is going to be a lot better, obviously, as these picks are a few years off from this point. So I'm in the classic, do I take the value now? Because I even – or just try to play it out. And I really think I'm taking the value is probably the smart play, but I think Tyreek's worth a little more than just that those two picks. And I really I asked him for two first and he wouldn't go there. I even said I'll do two first for Tyreek in a second. So the second one's a pick swap. Um didn't go for that. So I don't know. You wanna know what you gotta do? Let's hear it. You have two courses of action that I would do in your shoes. The first is because, once again, you're a seller. You have leverage. You have 11 potential customers, and you're right now only limiting yourself to one customer, it sounds like. What you need to do is either, A, try and trade Tyreek Hill for a very similarly priced player. 
So like, I mean, T Higgins is one that just comes off the top of my head. I mean, it could sure. be fucking anyone, right? Quarterback, tight end, receiver, running back, whatever, right? You try and find a similarly priced player. See if you can do a one-for-one swap or a two-for-one swap for players. You know, something along the lines of that. Or like a player in a second if they're a little bit worse. Or you can kind of go more in that direction where it's like you just break up Tyreek Hill. You say, okay, I'll take the non-flashy veteran and a, a draft pick or just two non super non flashy players to try and increase your depth. I think right now Tyree kill is a tough player to trade because he's trending down. I think it's tough to trade him for solely just draft picks. You need to make the move that the guy getting Tyree kill needs to feel very good about himself. I think that very few people want to trade multiple firsts for Tyree kill, even if it's a deal that makes sense for them, because most people, at least in my eyes, wouldn't feel very good about that trade. They're not looking at their trade and then roster baiting after, you know? <laughs> I think that if they were able to trade, like, uh, like two players, may, I, don't, I don't know exactly the deal off the top of my head, but I can't think of one off the top of my head. But so I think something like that is more, you're more likely to get a better return on your investment for an older player doing something like that in my in my eyes and you might be able to move into either a younger player that may not have the crazy level of production but it's going to produce more points than a 2024 first will like <laughs> so far i'm over one on the alberto trade by the way guys i agree oh, with man. frank but <laughs> not surprised yeah, I, I would ju- i would try doing that before stooping to a trade that you don't yeah. want to do Absolutely. I'm not going to just, like, you know, panic sell Tyree Kill here. I don't think that's the play at all. I think he can have a very good season in Miami here. I've already said that when we talked about the trade a few weeks ago. But he is a player that's getting to that age where you don't want to be caught holding the bag, especially with my team where I have a lot of these high-end young assets. I want to extend my window, not shorten it. So trading away Tyree Kill really helps me do that. I mean, nonetheless, I really don't think that first and a second is a bad offer for Tyreek Hill. No, I said it wasn't. I said it's a pretty good offer, and I've been thinking about I it. I just but. think if you're going to do that and you still want to compete, you have to have another deal ready to buy, like, that Jamison Crowdery kind of a guy. I mean, it could be a little bit higher level of a player, but you don't want to be spending first-round level capital to replace the Tyreek Hill. You just need someone you can play or, like, yep. two guys you can play. Um, the so of the world. Yeah, you would mm-hmm. you if, you're, if you want to do that, you need to already be thinking or have a deal in place on the back of it. Because I don't really think that's terrible value to do something like that. No, it's good. I think it's decent, but obviously I my I wanted more. Um and obviously I think the Miami trade here kind of put a Joe Herbert rent. said Hill for Cooper in a first. Sure. Oh, you do that any day of the week. Sure. Next. <laughs> hey, Lenny. <laughs> no, because yeah. I think about it. Like, like they're you're, the same age, and they're you're the same age. You're going to keep that production. high level production exactly, yeah. and you just pick up yeah. a first. Yep, that's an easy decision. Or I'm I mean, sorry. you may you may have to do something like Hill in a second for Cooper in a first. You may have to. I'd do still something probably like that. do that. I'm surprised you guys are so high on Amari Cooper. I mean, I don't. I'm, I'm not more so low on Oh, Cooper's. you said Amari Cooper. 
That makes way more sense. I was like, why would someone offer Cooper Cup? Oh, you thought Cooper Cup? Oh, my God. Oh, I was like, yeah, no no shit. I was like, are you kidding? Okay, that makes more sense. That makes more sense. I'd probably I, still well, do that's what I was like. All right, dude. Like that, you said, that yeah. was some damn conviction. No, because like, I was like, "Are you giving me Cooper Cup in the first for Tyree Kill?" Um, Amari Cooper. I would still do first, it. So you, I'd you probably can, I do think... it, but I, I'm not as confident when I said like the Tyree Kill in a second for Cooper. Well, the thing being tied to Deshaun Watson now, obviously, that that's changes everything. I'm just not it sure you're going to be able to pull it off. That's why I think I don't think you will. Something like putting a because I mean. This is going to sound stupid, but I truly believe this is a thing. If someone is giving you more things, you know, like, if, if they're giving two things for one, and, and all the things are, like, of relative value. It's not like, okay, I'm giving, like, four-thirds for a first. Like, as long as the things are, like, all valuable, if you are getting more than you're giving, I just think that, more, like, more times than not, you'll have people that give, that just have subconsciously a negative connotation around the deal I, really I, I, listen, I have no data to back it up <laughs> just from my experience like if i turn a deal like that into a pick swap where even i'm getting better value than the trade before it's more likely to get accepted i really don't mind the tyreek hill for 2024 first 2023 second like i think i, I don't really either strongly consider I, I yeah. am, but like, I think I would like, do what it I could do. I'm thinking of like what I can do to better myself. From I, yeah, but that's what I would think... say. Like market, market out the player more. You know, don't limit yourself to one customer right now. See yeah. if you can get a more favorable deal with other. Is that? I mean, it, it hurts nothing. You just offer out a couple of deals randomly. If it doesn't happen, then you still have that deal on the table. Like you don't have to like put it in the league chat like. Just got a first and a second. See if you can beat it. Just like, no, you just off. offer out some fucking trades and see what happens, you know? Yeah. Cooks in a first or a first and a second. From Skull okay. Dynasty. And a first. Skull Dynasty first stamp of approval. Second. Yeah, I like that. Um, no, saying? I don't think it's like an or thing. I think it's like you should first. just try and get those kind of things. Oh. First and a second. I, I mean, think, yeah, he just, I was offered a first and a second. Or, and, unless he's saying Cook's a first and a second. If that was the deal, I'd do it right now. But, Can't believe it was Cooper Cup. I was like, what kind of question <laughs> is that? <laughs> no you could just try to scam an extra little pick swap on top. Just be like, yeah, another second but for a third, you know? Just yeah, that's not extra a, big. That's hilarious. Know. Because I, I think you're right. Like, if someone really does want Tyree Kill, you might be able to get more out of him. But I, I really don't think that's a like like GT said. I really don't think a first and a second oh. is a bad offer. Do you think no, you get I, more I, value for Tyree Kill right now or three weeks into the season? Probably right now. Uh, right that's now, a question right I've been thinking recently. Probably. Yeah, right now. Right the now. thing that scares me is that I I remember yesterday. Now this didn't hold up long term, but. It's definitely happened before. Three draft classes. I, I do. I like that. I mean, this is like super tinfoil hat Debbie Frank coming here, but that 2024 draft class has got some dudes. Well, <laughs> like the top end of that class is nice. Not only that though, but like, oh no, that's the one with all the insane running backs, right? Yeah. It is. yeah well, no, you got you got Brock Bowers. I'm pretty sure that tight end out of Georgia, who's a fucking beast. That guy's yeah. a 
a tank. Um, what what, what Xavier worthy? You got two nice running backs. That dude from Wisconsin and um and Ohio State, Travion Henderson. Travion Henderson. You got a couple Henderson really nice good. quarterbacks that at least out of high school were nice. Well, you know, like that, that Texas that Texas running back is next year, right? He's yes, on, next year. But they have a receiver, Xavier Worthy, who's like, I mean, if you if you believe in those like production for when's, age graphs, when's he was like at Julio levels. When's what? Uh, the Texas A&M, the other running back. Is he next year? Oh, Devin a chain. I don't know how to say his I name. Um, yeah. I think he's next year. Okay. Um, what anyway, class is Arch Manning? I want Arch Manning. <laughs> <laughs> Trade it all for 2025, baby. But Arch Manning. I, I think people get too caught up. <laughs> I think it's Joe further Herbert. than that. <laughs> with what Joe Herbert's saying here, though, I think people are just getting too caught up in, in the production now versus later because, like, just, you know, hypothetically say someone in this podcast offered two firsts for Julio Jones like two years ago, right? Hypothetically speaking. And the other person said, no way. Well, I'm betting right now that one person would definitely want those two firsts for Julio Jones. They would be looking back, hypothetically speaking, of course. They'd be looking back and being like, dang, I wish I took those two firsts for Julio Jones. Well, the other thing, too, is that I think it's just easier to patch hole fix production than value because yeah. you can like this this is what i was saying earlier with the luxuries of being uh, having a good team and being a contender is that you can make a move like this selling tyree kill and then buy some dude for a second round pick. you just trade trade your second round pick for like a locket or something and then it's not the sexiest deal in the world but it, you can at least play him and, and yeah you'll lose a little bit on points per game but i really don't think it's going to kill you if the rest of your team is really nice, like, and you have a good core that's already a playoff team, you just need that extra little bit of depth. You know, like, you could buy OBJ right now, probably for pretty cheap. It's not going to be a sexy move. Long term, yeah, it's going to suck. ACL. But, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know about injuries, dude. Like, you're asking the wrong guy for injuries. <laughs> is he going to play at the start of next season? That's all I care about. Or no. at least, like, three weeks yeah, in? I don't think so. No. 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 Okay, yeah, then the scratch Bowl. him. Go for someone else. <laughs> um. But you can like that's what I've been doing in a lot of leagues is like I will sell players on hype unless they're like a Justin Jefferson. I think he's truly just a Hall of Fame level talent or a Kyle Pitts. Like, and and yeah, you could do that with Tyree Kill. Um, because uh, I guess the point I forgot I was going to say I brought it up. Mike Evans last year. Remember the panic after Week One in that primetime game where he did nothing. And his value dropped so much. Yeah. You know, obviously that didn't hold because the Bucks' offense is nasty. But that same, like, what happens if that the, the Bucks' offense wasn't nasty? You know, and, and he's kind of just stagnated and into like a wide receiver two finish. What happens to his value then? I mean, Keenan Allen was a wide receiver one, and he, he just dropped to like wide receiver thirty. You know, what if Tyree Kill isn't in the top 12? What happens to his value then? I mean, you're never going to be able to get more for a first then than a first for him. Exactly. Oh, I mean, you could three. probably get Keenan Allen plus when trading Tyree Kill. Not to everyone, but uh, if you look at, like, the, the, the trade calculators and stuff, that's a deal that you could do. Keenan Allen plus for Tyree Kill, you said? Yeah. Yeah, let's find out what the plus like is. Like Keenan Allen in a second. Tyreek Hill, Keenan Allen. You would have to add on top. 
say whatever the likes of Calvin Ridley, Jahan Dotson, Robert Woods, Carson Wentz, Baker Mayfield is equivalent to. So a second. Early second. Yeah, like Somewhere an early mid-second. Second. Yeah. Rattler and how we're stud Q- Yeah, but I think the other thing is those are QBs. Like once again, QBs are a little bit finicky. I think it's much easier to project yeah, we, out like running backs we, and receivers. And we've proven ends. over time that it's much easier to evaluate running back and wide receiver prospects than it is quarterback prospects. Um, but I, I mean, the other thing I will say though is that let's not act like Rattler and Howell were like Trevor Lawrence level prospects at the same time either. Like I, last year, like Howell was a good prospect, but I wasn't huge on Howell last year. Um. I did like Rattler a little bit, though. I will say that. My point is just that you can't have specific targets when trading for future picks. I don't think anyone does have a specific target, no. though. It's thing. just and you just the know thing the is, draft class is very good, and you want one of the. It guys doesn't. It doesn't even have to be good. It doesn't even have to be very good, right? Because this draft class, I think, consensus consider it's like the worst draft class of the past three years, and it still has a solid value. Um, so, you know, like, even if you don't like the draft class when 2024 rolls around, well, now you have a shiny first-round pick that you could just trade away for an actual player. So it's not like, you know, that first-round first pick picks. doesn't just, like... Yeah, you're kind of just cashing your chips in on Tyree Kill. For the first-round yeah. picks are a much more liquid asset. What people are always want first-round picks, while people may not always want Tyree Kill. I'm already kind of out yeah, on great. Tyree Kill. At the price. Well, yeah, I, I mean, I agree with you, you, Albert, okay. I, I think, I think, simply put, because I was looking at those startups. We said this last episode. I have seen so many startups where Tyree Kill and T. Higgins go within two or three picks of each other. I'll take. That. If I'm I'll in a league, team. like I think T. Higgins, not that he's worth a crazy amount more than Tyree Kill, like maybe yeah. in terms of actuality, the, the the margin is slim. But if you were to ask me in a startup draft which dude I'm picking. I mean, I'm easily picking T. Higgins. I'm not thinking about it. Hey, JT, you have T. Higgins in the third and 20 league. You want Terry Kill? <laughs> Do I? Yeah, no shot. You know how I feel about it. You always know. I tried I so T. hard Higgins to get too. Yeah, I tried so hard to get him from you in our home league, and you just wouldn't give him to me. So. Yeah. Because I, I, I just think like – It was good it, I didn't because he went up in value. So. Yeah, I know it was good. Not for the <laughs> He's like, I knew he would. Fuck yeah. <laughs> I mean, what about Mike Williams? You could try to you could try a deal where you go like Tyree Kill yeah. into Mike Williams plus. Oh, I mean, oh, I hate Mike Williams. If you're going for that, would have to I'd be go, like like a solid oh, no. first. I'd go for Williams. the likes of either pick your Raven. Well, you're the sell Ravens guy, but no, I mean, Brown the guy, or Rashad Bateman. No, no shot. The thing I suggested earlier with Tyree Kill, which is the thing I, I think pivoting from Tyree Kill to like um, trying to get Drake London or Garrett Wilson or Traylon Burks. Yeah, I mean, if I could get. The pick that guarantees me. That actually, no. Drake London Drake may be London. out if if he's at one hundred three. But if one of those guys are there at like one hundred six, I think that's a doable move. Yeah, but once I think we saw the struggles last year in our orphan league trying to trade a veteran receiver, even if on the consensus rankings and keep trade cut and startups, like we we saw this with D Hop, we couldn't trade D Hop for one hundred seven last I, year I when everyone Tyree, Tyree was saying. Kill, I think Tyree Kill right now is like decently more valuable than D Hop. Uh, is he though? D Hop was coming off an incredible season. Okay, wait, right. D Hop right was like a consensus top Tyree fifteen Kill, or right. Kill, yeah, I mean, we, we can look on keep trade cut. Tyreek Hill was fifty three hundred right now. DeAndre okay, Hopkins, I think Tyreek Hill actually is a little bit higher than DeAndre Hopkins than a year ago would have been. No, 
DeAndre Hopkins is valued more than exactly. was valued more than Tyreek. Oh, Hill. that's surprising. Cats like out a, of the bag by a sizable amount. So I think that's that's the one issue you have with going for the picks this year. Like like I because I agree with JT, the value you're getting on that 2024 first is just better. Yeah. All right. Well, we ran long on there. Yeah, we've run longer yeah. the past couple episodes. Well, I don't know. It's interesting talking with chat. No, no, I, I enjoyed it. Oh, oh can yeah. I go into my last buy or should I just save it? I'd save it. Didn't we? Didn't we talk about this guy already? Did we? Well, I feel like we might have talked about him on what we do tomorrow. Which, by the way, uh, if you're watching this now, tune into us tomorrow. Uh, no, maybe that was <laughs> maybe that was last week that we talked about. Uh, but tune into us tomorrow, seven thirty, same time. Same place. We're gonna be oh, doing also, our dynasty um, stocks. The the I want to do that startup draft. The question is, do we want to do that before the NFL draft, or we, like, or post do we want to do it draft. after the NFL draft? Probably post. Post. The rookies' rankings post. are going to change so much. I, I think the issue is we're going to have trouble setting up twelve people ready to go before the draft. Like how all having. I guess we could slow draft and everything, but draft is coming up soon. I didn't even realize. Yeah, we lost a little way. Because yeah. if we, I, I want to start getting a startup it, draft before the you NFL. You can start draft. getting it set up. I mean, everyone in chat, if you want in the startup, just drop your sleeper username and start sending it or, out. Or tweet it out. True, true, it. yeah. You can leave it in the comments. Tweet it yeah, out it's going to be on sleeper, like $20 league through league safe. Um, I mean, super flex because we're a super flex podcast. Tight end um, premium, half PPR. Yeah, like a half point tight end premium. Um, yeah, there's going to be like premium. three receiver spots, two flexes, a super flex, two running backs, a, a tight end spot, a quarterback spot. Um, the Marlon Mack bonus. Five man taxi. I don't know. I don't know how much we want the benches to be, but like pretty standard bench size like 12 or 15 bench spots, whatever the standard is, 10. I honestly couldn't tell you. I think it's more like... Generally <laughs> speaking, around 30 players on your roster. Hit, hit, hit us up for detail. I think it's easier to see yeah. in writing. Um, just all the positions and everything. Yeah, it's, but if I you feel for like sure want to be in... Yeah, if you for sure want to be in, put in your put in your sleeper, your sleeper name. And uh, we'll reserve a spot for you. Skull Dynasty wants full PPR. That's fine. I'm, I'm personally not opposed, but I, Skull yeah. Dynasty said he's out if it's not full point PPR. But what if someone's out exactly if it's what he not said, but... half PPR? <laughs> Look, we could talk about it, right? I don't know if it makes that big of a difference. <laughs> we'll figure it out in the future. Yeah. Um, all right, but with that, season two, episode 35. Check us out tomorrow. Thanks, guys. See you guys. Throw a like you if you enjoyed this episode and our analysis. Yeah, I got to do that.